Welcome to the WinFL Show. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides. This is the WinFL Show. I'm your host, Ian McKinnon, and I am joined this week by Jake McGee. Hello, hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello to you, sir. And by Dave Somerville. Good evening. Good evening, Dave. How are we doing, gentlemen? It was another week in the NFL. What, what do we think of this past week? Brilliant. Hate it. Yeah, it was pretty Brilliant. rubbish. Brilliant NFL. Wasn't it, <laughs> 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 Terrible. Hate the sport. <laughs> stupid podcast, stupid all, game, stupid no, all Honestly, no, who's, it was a brilliant. Who's, it was. whose idea was it to do a podcast about this sport? That who, had a, who in the, after this summer thought by week six the Rams fan would be happy and the Saints fan <laughs> and the Broncos fan would be raging? Listen, I, I, I don't know if I actually mentioned this on the podcast, but when we were looking at the, you know, the, the schedules um, pre-season, I was looking at the Broncos schedule. I was going, do you know what? See, apart from that Miami game, wow, we could be five and, you know, four and one, and a tough one against the Chiefs. We might be five and one to start the season. It did not work out for the Broncos at five and one, um, and they, but they do play the Chiefs tightly, and that is where we are going to. St- gentlemen we are starting at geha field at arrowhead stadium or just arrowhead stadium for the thursday night game in front of 73,528 fans watched vance joseph's defense actually play well so you know that was noteworthy um unfortunately the offense completely sucked in this one the broncos offense was utterly utterly pathetic in this game it was a disgrace uh now the broncos ended up losing this one to the chiefs by a score of 19 to 8 i mean patrick mahomes ended up throwing an interception to um justin simmons um although he did also throw a touchdown he had 306 yards passing in this game uh, the chiefs had 96 rush yards 389 total they fumbled twice but didn't lose any of them this appears to be a story an ongoing thing for the broncos that they're causing fumbles and not recovering them the chiefs committed 84 yards of penalties to the broncos 34 but oh my goodness the broncos offense russell wilson 13 of 22 95 yards one touchdown which was an incredible catch by Cortland sutton two interceptions this was painful to watch painful from the fact that the the defense finally finally looked like an actual nfl defense for the first time in six games they looked like hey we we might actually belong on the same field as another nfl team and the offense played its worst game i i can't even deal with this it's just it's incredible and do you know what the thing is this always always happens to the broncos and i don't know why for for the past Four years, maybe five years, the Broncos' defence has been stout, absolutely rock-solid, and the offence has been utterly appalling. Appalling. This year, at the beginning of this year, the offence starts to move, they're moving the ball, they're scoring touchdowns, and the defence sucks, historically bad. This week, the defence finally plays well, and the offence can't do anything. And I'm sorry, Sean Payton. But now, Jake and I had uh, uh, we, we had a discussion last week, Jacob, about 
Sean Payton uh, and mm-hmm. me, me defending him uh, where perhaps I shouldn't have done um, for, for things that he said about Nathaniel Hackett, even though I still stand by the fact he was correct. What he said was correct. He maybe shouldn't have said it. Um, and then Jake pointed out that, you know, if that was the worst, then what is this? This might be the worst. Well, at the end of the first half in this game, I witnessed one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in a game where the the Broncos failed on uh, th- to, to convert on third down um, and there was seconds left in in the, in the in the first half in this game so the Broncos had third down third and five and Russell Wilson gets sacked by Chris Jones for a minus seven yards on the Denver's 44 28 seconds to go in the first half with 15 seconds left on the clock Sean Payton who I'll remind you anyone who's not aware is the Broncos head coach calls a timeout for the Broncos not for the Chiefs for the Broncos stopping the clock (laughs) what was that Jake it's debatable. Well, it is debatable. I mean, because it did nothing for the team. It did nothing for the Broncos, nothing good for the Broncos, because as we know, as all of us have seen, if you give Patrick Mahomes, um, well, I think we saw him, if you give him 13 seconds, he'll go down and they'll, they'll kick a field goal. He did it against the, the, the Buffalo Bills in the, the, the playoffs. If you give him 15 seconds... What he did was he went down the field and into field goal range, they kicked a field goal. Because at this point in the ball game, and I I I, I couldn't believe what I was watching when this happened. Do you know that point where the referee said, timeout, Denver? And I'm going, well, he's got that wrong. It's Kansas City. But I didn't think anything of it. I'm thinking, oh, Kansas City have called a timeout. And I'm going, oh, hang on. No, they didn't. The Broncos did, because at, at this point in the game, it was 10 to nothing to the Chiefs. Uh, Russell, Russell gets sacked. You need to punt the ball away. And he calls a timeout to stop the clock for the Chiefs. And they go down, kick a field goal, it's now 13 nothing at halftime. And you're thinking, what are you doing? I mean, really? Now, situational football, we spoke about this. Uh, last week, how some coaches, you think, you know, obviously they don't have a clue. Josh McDaniels electing to attempt that field goal, you know, with, to put them up by seven. You know, if you're up by four, what, what does it matter? Things like that. This was one of those situations where I'm going, I have no idea why they called a timeout. Now, I, had, I did see someone saying uh, the Broncos essentially weren't, they didn't have the punt unit ready. In that case, it doesn't matter. Take the delay of game. It's even worse. It's even worse. Sean Payton came out, owned the mistake, and said he lost track of the downs. He lost track. Oh. So they called a timeout on third down, like you said, and then they called timeout on fourth and twelve uh, because he thought it was third down. He lost track of the downs. He had a bit of a Tom Brady moment there. Yeah? Didn't, didn't know what down it was. Oh, my word. You just think, ah, come on. On, it's not like you're a rookie head coach. It's not like this is your first time. And I know he's been in the booth, but being in the booth, 
seeing the game from a different angle, if anything, should give you more of an appreciation for situational calls and what to do in certain situations. Analyzing the game. I mean, I, 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 I can't explain it. I can't explain it. This loss was a painful loss because the defense played well. They played well. And we still couldn't get it done. The offense was rotten. Apart, don't get me wrong. The passing game was rotten. I'm saying the offense was rotten. The passing game was horrendous. Because uh, rushing the ball, Javante Williams, 10 rushes, 52 yards, 5.2 per click. Jaleel McLaughlin, 7 for 30 yards, 4.4 per click. I mean, that's, that's, that's good rushing. But you're talking 10 carries and 7 carries. That's not enough. And we mentioned this before. If something's working, why do you come away from it? And Cortland Sutton did have an incredible catch for a touchdown. That would, might be catch of the year. That was unbelievable. So contested. Taking it down with one hand. I thought it was incomplete. Um, and then when they showed the replay, I was like, oh my word, how did he hang on to that one? Um, it, it, was, it, was, it was sore. It was a painful one to watch. I got pelters from a Kansas City Chiefs fan, um, not Pelters. He did say at least it wasn't 70. So, you know, th- there was that. Um, but we should probably move on, gentlemen, because I don't want to talk about this game anymore. I don't even want to talk about this Broncos team anymore. It's going to be painful going forward. Um, I think they're going to be looking... You don't want me to pile on with negative stuff then, no? Oh, do you know what, Jake? Go for it. <laughs> oh. Just do you know what? That's Just nuts. go for it. If you've got something to add, might as well because this Broncos team, just in in general, is a mess. It it really is a mess. So go for it, Jake. Well, it's not like me, but I only had negative stuff, and I had a big rant because I put it in the chat at the time. Because I said, oh, when I was watching the game, I said, oh, that's an interesting timeout on third down. But you know, if they get the first down and Broncos go score, he's a genius. And then the, the timeout on the fourth down was was criminal, um, but we've we've covered that. So the only other negative things I've got here is that it's only the sixth time Mahomes has led a team to less than twenty points, um, and he obviously still managed to win. And the last Bronco head coach to beat the Chiefs. Do you want to take a guess, Neosta, who the last Broncos head coach was to beat the so Chiefs? I know it's I know it's been a while. I do know it's been a while. It wasn't Vance Joseph, was it? When he had a no. stint in 20, was it 20? I don't know. Who was it? I think it's even before then. Oh, don't tell me it was Kubiak. It was Gary Kubiak. That's, oh, I saw that's that and I thought, just that's, that's bad. Gary Kubiak. That was, what was that, 20, that was 26? 15? Yeah, a while. 15? You're talking seven, eight years ago? That's painful. I mean, that is. I would, yeah. What is that? is that? Did you say, is that 16 in a row? I think, yeah, I think it was 16 in a row. I think Mahomes himself is 12 and 0, um, but the Chiefs yes. are 16 in a, in a row. It's, it's, it's a, a strange thing that uh, if you look up Mahomes' career um, game stats, um, I think three, is it three or four? I, I did look at I forget the numbers. I think it's three or four out of his like six worst games statistically are all against the Broncos mm-hmm. and he's never lost to them. <laughs> and you're like, come on, 
you know, throw me a bone here. This is just getting utterly, utterly ridiculous. And it's... Uh, uh, Dave, do you have anything to add to this? Pylon. I mean, nothing positive. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the only... I, I mean, just to add one slight thing to the uh, Sean Payton timeout situation is that he admitted in the interview he saw the Chiefs running to call a timeout and still called the timeout. <laughs> it's just... I, I mean... Well, the Chiefs I, only had three, so he wanted them to save them, you know. It's just, I mean, it's... It's it's I, I, it's hard. It's so it hard to watch this team, and and I know this is not. I, I said this. I know this isn't the Broncos podcast, so we can't just focus on the Broncos. But it's painfully difficult. Marvin Mims never saw the ball in this game, and now last week I mentioned that Marvin, and I know he had the fumble on the punt, and he had the, the other fumble, which was really Pirine's fault. The way he threw that over his head was ridiculous. Um, and I get that, but he has been a, the Broncos' best deep threat, and they didn't mm-hmm. attempt a single deep pass to him. And you're thinking, why not? In fact, they didn't attempt to pass to Marvin Mims. Not one pass. I, I just don't get it. Now I did see something. They're talking about the Broncos uh, because of the the trade deadline coming up. After remind me, gentlemen, week. After week seven, I think. Eight. Week yeah, eight. I think it's eight, yeah. isn't it? Um, and uh, there's a lot of rumours about the Broncos shipping players. Now, one of the Especially names, Jerry Judy. One of the mm. names that came up was Jerry Judy. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, he's done nothing for the franchise. Nothing. So, if if you ship him, I, I have no issue with that. What I don't want though is for him to go to Philadelphia, who appear to be signing everybody, and then he's going to wind up with that. 2000 yard season um we all know jerry judy's got bags of talent we know this we've seen it but for some reason this year uh, so last year he, he he was carrying an injury the year before that he was carrying an injury this year when he's not injured he doesn't seem to be getting any separation which was always his thing he was like one of the most open receivers in the nfl last year when he when he was on the field and this year there's, there's nothing there's absolutely nothing, and you. I've watched a couple of the 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 games with the what do you call the the all twenty two, you know the the different uh, cameras, and they mm-hmm. shows you like Jerry Judy's uh, route running and stuff. Like that. He's getting no separation. So if they if they can get a good pick for him, ship him. I've got no issues with that. Um, I would I'd be more upset if they got rid of Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton, mm-hmm. uh, he fights for this team. He's a great player. I've been more upset about that. Um, I like Marvin Mims. I like Brandon Johnson. Um, Jerry Judy, yeah, I've got no issues if they ship him. But as I say, I just know what'll happen. He'll go to a team and just explode. It Because that's what happens with Broncos players. They go to other teams and go, oh, actually, he's really good. <laughs> I, I know. Just doesn't it's the opposite work. Of the opposite of the Patriots. That's pretty much what they, they go to other teams and they're just garbage. They come back and they're back to their best. You're right. But, uh, it's the anti-patriots. I, I mean, you, you, that's, that's that's something you. that you will, you will, yeah, you will wear that as a crown. To be honest, be honest there. But the the rumor is that it could, it's the most likely team that could trade for him are the Packers. 
So that could be an interesting one. I yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't but, mind if he went to the pack. I don't think it would be. I don't think he'd be a difference maker on the Packers. Um, as long as he doesn't go to Kansas City um, and Philadelphia, they've they've got already got way too many weapons. Um, to, well, to, Philly did sign. Yeah, they took care of that. Yeah, they, they did. Philly, uh, Philly fact, took care of that today. Fact, we were going to cover it later on. Might as well do it just now. The Philadelphia Eagles have signed, in my opinion, future Hall of Famer, Julio uh-huh. Jones. Julio Jones, who had a terrible time in Tennessee. That was awful. That was just absolutely appallingly bad. Um, to the point where folk were like, my goodness, was he just, you know, like a system wide receiver? Don't be ridiculous. Of course he wasn't. Julio Jones is one of the best wide receivers who has ever played this game. It's a ridiculous statement that he would, he, a product of Matt Ryan, behave yourselves. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe, I saw that, I think it was on Twitter. I was like, unbelievable. Um, anyway, gentlemen, we should move on because we've got loads of games to cover and we've already been talking about eight. Oh, sorry, Dave. One more, one more shout out. Harrison Butker. 60 yard field goal which i think was just fantastic just you know kicking it from the halfway line i think that was a fantastic achievement for him he was four or four in this game as well so contributing 13 points imagine, imagine having a win. kicker who can make his field goals <laughs> imagine having a kicker that making his field goals yeah that would be nice imagine having a kicker that outscores <laughs> your team don't get me started we will, we will come back to that, Jake. <laughs> Unfortunately, we will come back to that. So, gentlemen, but we are going to move on. We've come to the Sunday game between the Baltimore Ravens and the Tennessee Titans in old London town in front of 61,011 people at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And the Ravens came away with a win in this one, 24-16 to 16 over the Titans. It actually looked like they were going to run away with it at one point. It was 18-6, to six, and they'd still left some points on the field. But Derrick Henry came back with a nice a touchdown run in the third quarter. That closed it down um, before the Ravens pulled again. Two more Justin Tucker field goals. He was actually, five, he had five field goals on the day. Justin Tucker was no, six. six. Beg your pardon. <laughs> six field goals on the day. Justin Tucker. Tucker. Oh, I hate kickers. Jake, I'm with you. <laughs> kickers are other teams. This sucks. Uh, Dave, did you watch any of this game? What did you think of it? It was actually quite, um, like the last London game, quite an entertaining game, despite the fact that it wasn't, you know, explosive offense all over the place, but it was still quite enjoyable. Watched. What did you think of it? I mean, I only caught the highlights of it because, uh, for some reason, my child wanted to watch the Hunger Games. Uh, but you know, I, I, by the look of it, some, I'm I'm not a big Ravens or Titans fan, but I did what I did catch up on it, and so uh, and obviously, just we know what Justin Tucker's like; he's fantastic. The one thing I did note, though, Ryan Tannehill was not very good in this game. I think it's just it's just this game. game? Well, just I'm I'm being nice for years. He has, but in this game in particular, when Malik Willis comes in, I think was Tannehill not injured? I think he got injured. Yeah, not right. Yes, but at uh, at the time of his injury, he had a QB rating of thirty-seven point five. So that's not great. Malik Willis comes in, uh, a couple runs, three carries for seventeen yards, and four or five for seventy-four yards with one hundred eighteen quarterback rating now obviously a very small sample size but Tennessee just could get nothing done on offense whatsoever and the Ravens just did what the Ravens do and you know they 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 do okay they do okay enough and they get over the line so um yeah it was it, it looked like a game that wasn't high quality I think is probably a good way to 
Yeah, it, it, it but, was it wasn't yeah. the best game, but as I say, it was still entertaining enough. I I don't. And you mentioned Ryan Tannehill. When is his mm-hmm. contract up? They have got to get rid of this guy. He's. I think ju- it might be this year. I think this yeah. is kind of like the last year of at least a lot of his money. Anyway. Oh, yeah. the man. That's why he's he's untradeable with his contract. But I, I mean, who did you know? What did they do? Because Malik Willis was awful last year. Looked mm. okay in the preseason. Somehow won the job over their rookie Will Levis, who was supposed to be, you know, maybe a top five pick. Um, the box score is very, very generous to Malik Willis. He holds onto the ball like he's waiting for a bus on the island. Like it's <laughs> ridiculous. He just holds the ball. I was saying in a few episodes ago that Sacks are, you know, a quarterback start. Well he's gonna accumulate a fair few with how much he holds onto the ball. And then from the Ravens perspective, they've had the most different starters that ridiculous amount of injuries but the worrying thing for me is even the offense this year we always talked about Lamar never had any weapons well this year they went out got upgrades here there and everywhere and they still look pretty meh if anything they look kind of worse and just now he's got better weapons and they don't seem to be running as much with Lamar and I don't know it feels I know it's a different offense different offensive coordinator but it does feel not great but at the same time the Ravens should be six and oh they're four and two but they, they should be six and oh which would be ridiculous for the ravens to be the, the last undefeated team yeah they, are, they absolutely should be undefeated yeah uh, no doubt uh but this even this win 24 16 looks comfortable should have been way more justin tucker's field goals his furthest was 41 he had 41 28 23 29 20 and 36 i mean you're talking multiple red zone field goals where they just couldn't get it done in the end. and Slightly slightly worrying for the Ravens and even more worrying is the fact that Kyle Hamilton tried to kill a man um, in London, which was interesting and got ejected, thankfully, but a very interesting decision just to basically Zidane someone on, in the NFL. Uh, Zidane someone, I've heard that for a uh, while. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you're right. So historically, since... Um, Lamar's been with the Ravens. They've been one of the best red zone offenses in the entire NFL because of his mobility. We know he doesn't look the same when he's running. He legitimately looks much slower when he's running the ball. They are not scoring in the red zone. As you've already said, multiple red zone opportunities and they're ending in field goals. The receiving core played better in this game than the Steelers game, but they couldn't really have got much worse. But it's ball. Very low bar, still dropping passes. I don't know what's going on with them, including uh, Mark Andrews, who, as Dave said last week, Mr. Reliable for Lamar Jackson. Um, you mentioned uh, the the Titans uh, quarterback, uh, Malik Willis. He dropped mm-hmm. back nine times and was sacked four times. Yeah. I mean, that's bad. When nine he got the ball dro- off, he was successful. Yeah, because they, you know the secondary, because you can't hold, you can't touch a receiver after five yards. The secondary can only do so much if you're dropping back for fifteen seconds. If the pass rush can't get there, <laughs> eventually I'd complete a pass. But you know, he was if you get sacked on nearly fifty percent of your dropbacks, is is criminal. You honestly have to wonder if you'd played this entire game. How many sacks? Uh, records would have been taken. Uh, there would have been because you know nine dropbacks, four sacks. If he'd had forty attempts. This would have been, like, just off the charts. It's just unbelievable. So I'm with you there, Jake. He needs to 
figure something out. I'm not sure what the extent of Tannehill's injury is, uh, if Willis is going to be starting this week or not, but they need to do I, something. Yeah, high ankle sprain for Tannehill, so he's definitely going to be out. He's definitely out for that one. Okay, yeah. gentlemen, we are moving on, and we come to uh, Cleveland Brown Stadium. <laughs> Still a stupid name for a stadium. In Cleveland! Clearly, Funny enough. Uh, where the San Francisco 49ers travel to take on the Cleveland Browns in front of 67,431 fans. And I'd like to remind people that when we were doing our previews last week, I said the 49ers were going to absolutely romp this one. And Mr. McGee said, oh no, I have much more faith in this Browns defense than you do. Well, I know that this might sound shocking, guys, considering my uh, Pickham's record, but I got this one wrong. Dead wrong. Uh, <laughs> oh my, you're laughing because you know my Pickham's record. Um, <laughs> the, the Browns come away with a 1917 win in this one. Um, it started looking like the 49ers are going to absolutely obliterate the Browns. In the opening drive, Christian McCaffrey took a 13-yard touchdown pass from Brock Party. Uh, Jake Moody then had a 25-yard field goal. And then things started going wrong. Jake Moody missed a field goal. The Browns scored a touchdown. Dustin Hopkins uh, kicks two back-to-back field goals in the third quarter to put the Browns up 13-10. to Jordan Mason had a wonderful eight-yard rush um, for the 49ers, 17-13. And then two Dustin Hopkins field goals made it 19-17 to Cleveland. Now, at this point, Christian McCaffrey's out injured. Debo Samuel's out injured. Trent Williams was injured, came back, did not look good at all. Um, and I thought the 49ers are just, they've not been able to move the ball. They look really bad. Uh, no, sorry, they, they do look bad, but the Browns' defense is making them look really bad. The Browns' Browns defense was everywhere. They were in the backfield all day long. It was sight to behold this this Browns pass rush sometimes with only three people and they were still getting two guys to party it was unbelievable um but then at the end of the game the, the 49ers move the ball final drive they're moving the ball and they get to what you would consider the edge of field goal range because it was it was the edge of field goal range and then on second down with, um, I think, 20-odd seconds on the clock, instead of running to get another three, four yards, try and get a bit closer, get it right in the middle, the 49ers take a knee, and then Moody misses the field goal as time expires. By, you can't see me, obviously, that much. A couple of inches. <laughs> For our listeners, a couple of inches. Which is a big difference, I would like to say. What's that, Sorry. It's a big difference, a couple of inches. Uh, uh, hey, a couple of inches makes a massive difference. I've been told this a few times. A couple of inches makes a huge difference. Now. This is a PG show. I don't know what oh, you're talking we're about, Dylan. We're talking about field goals here. Yeah, um, okay. We're talking All about right. field goals. It's, anyway, yeah. point is, I watched this and I was, like the, like, the bro- like the Broncos taking a timeout, I was going, what are you doing? Why are you taking a knee? I, I was just, I was, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. Well, they, just, it was 41 yard. It ended up being a 41 yard field goal, which is very, very makeable for an NFL. It maker. is makeable. Uh, let, let's uh, also, so, sorry to interrupt you, Jake. Sorry, I apologize to interrupt you there. It, it, it's makeable. It's 41 yards. It's not 60. It's 41. It was bad conditions as well. Mm-hmm. 
which makes a big, and we've seen it hundreds of times, that uh, um, players missing extra points in, in wet conditions like that. Sorry, Jay, carry on. I apologise. Uh, some kickers prefer kicking off one, you know, either side of the hash. Um, so a lot of times at the end of the game or end of the half, when they're taking knees, they're taking a knee a certain way so that they line up favourable to the kicker. I could only assume that is why they do it. Because like you say, otherwise it makes no sense. They still should have move the ball forward just even if you run it two yards forward to the you know if he wants to go to the right just run two yards to the right um yeah. but i assume that's the, the, the somewhat logic they had um, so that they get the kick on his favorable side 41 field yard field goal you, you'd expect him to make it but you're asking a rookie on an all pro team to make it and it yeah, was because, a because really bad week for, for Jake's really bad week for Jake's because <laughs> the other thing was actually do you know what I apologise I got that wrong I said that you can eat they spiked the ball apologies they spiked okay. the ball but they spiked the ball with a timeout they still had a timeout now I understand kicking the ball on third down with nine seconds to go and I'll tell you the reasoning behind that the reason that you do that is if it's a bad snap Holder bobbles it. Oh no! He can literally either spike it at the feet of the, of the kicker because you're allowed to do that, or just throw it out of bounds. And then you've got another down, so you can still kick the field goal. So I get that. I understand kicking on third down with nine seconds to go. What I don't understand is when you got a timeout, spiking the ball when you could literally just lean get a couple of extra yards why would you not try to get it as close as is humanly possible you've got a timeout. it's not like a situation which we'll talk about in another game <laughs> later on where you can run at a time you've got a timeout. so i i didn't understand it but you know what hats off to this cleveland browns defense they were absolutely stellar in this game and they have allowed less than 200 yards of offense per game so far this season that is utterly utterly ridiculous that's unheard of levels of defense yeah, the, the 215 yards they allowed this game was the lowest ever under Kyle Shanahan for the 49ers so it just kind of shows you you know the 49ers, their run scheme, there are weapons. I know, like you say, they had a few injuries, but yeah, who hasn't? You know, I spoke about the Ravens. They even have the most injuries. They they get on with it. The 49ers yeah. all of a sudden got a couple of injuries, and everyone's like, oh, that's why. It's like, oh. Yeah, no, I, I did see that. People saying, oh, well, uh, clearly, without McCaffrey and Samuel, the 49ers are nothing. No. This Browns defense is ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. Miles Garrett was everywhere. In this game, and he, and he wasn't the only one. That entire uh, offensive front was everywhere, and those the, that secondary, ah, they can play. My goodness, they can play. The Browns are a sneaky, sneaky good team. the The fact that they're three and two, they we could see them in the playoffs. Um, one thing I will say, they don't miss Deshaun Watson whatsoever in Cleveland. They, they don't. Dave, I'm gonna hand it over to you. What do you got to say about that? I mean, I, I mean, in this game they kind of did not obviously not with the scoreline, but PJ Walker had a quarterback rating of forty-five, right? So that I mean that's awful. It's more, more down to the two interceptions. But I think that you know the 49ers, we we know what their defense is like. It's it's the between. I think we saw the two best defensive teams in the league. I, I would make that argument, and I, I don't think a lot of people would 
uh, disagree, but the quarterbacks in this game were just awful. Have you ever seen a trade? That that flute just went over off a cliff in this game. Brock Purdy was just this that was his worst game in the league so far. Um yeah, he, there was a couple of very questionable decisions. He was twelve of twenty seven for hundred and twenty five yards. Um and the only thing that Christian McCaffrey could do there was one, I think it was 25-yard-ish uh, run. Apart from that, the rest of the time, you take that out, so that's about 10 carries for about 17, 18 yards. Yeah. So the the run, the front, the San Francisco run game was just done from uh, before it even started. P.J. Walker couldn't do much. He, he only threw for 192 yards, and he was picked twice. He was sacked twice. Brock Purdy was sacked three times. You don't see that very often. Um yeah, it w- it was a weird game, but I'm not going to lie. I cheered a lot when that field goal <laughs> went wide. Um, yeah, it, it was just, I, I couldn't believe it. I was just expecting, oh, 49ers are going to just lock out after a fantastic defensive performance. Oh, no, not this time. The 49ers record ruined, and that flute can be thrown in the bin as far as I'm concerned. First of all, it's a whistle. <laughs> it's not a flute. It's- it literally says train whistle on it so i don't know where you're coming from with that flute uh it will be getting blown again this year so i wouldn't worry about it dave um yeah, yeah um mccaffrey uh, injured his oblique he is uh l- well questionable for mm. to play this week uh, a oblique injury that's that's a sore one that's your one on your side here and stretching any kind All of right, stretch okay. that's 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 really difficult being a ball carrier um getting hit there that that's going to be sore um Debo, i'm not sure of the extent of his injury there um i know Trent williams uh, looks like he's day-to-day so that's a good sign mm-hmm. he's, he seems the, to be the only other, one other thing i did pick up from the game sorry to interrupt you i one other thing i just the very last thing penalties in this game were galore they were it's, there were so many between the two of them there's 25 penalties i didn't mention the penalties it was so many between the two there of them. The, the yardage, two hundred and twenty-four yards penalties accumulated for on the Browns. On the Forty-Niners cut on the Browns uh, final drive to kick the field goal. Mm-hmm. There were two penalties that I I just was gobsmacked. Uh, there was one which I believe was it. Um, did they call it hitting a defenseless receiver? Yes, that uh, was unnecessary roughness, unnecessary mm-hmm. roughness, and when it happened, I'm like, I don't, I don't even know. I thought the flag was for something else because that was a clean hit. Then they showed you in slow motion, and it was a clean hit, and they're calling unnecessary roughness on third and what was that one? Third, third and long, mm-hmm. and I thought that's ridiculous. Uh, just a ridiculous penalty. I have no idea. And then there was another penalty later on, um, which I don't have written. I had I should have written these down. Uh, was it a holding, a defensive holding? Uh, and I'm saying that's not holding. That's <laughs> I don't I don't know where you're coming up with these calls. Um, the Browns really locked out in this game at the end. There, I was. I totally get the 49ers fans being absolutely incensed at those calls. I know that um, uh, Tom Grossi made a video of the, the Browns 49ers game with uh, with the refs involved in that one. Um, I totally get it. But hey, you know what to say, Jake, the new NFL script writers. Well, there was referees who got to get it right, don't they? Uh, so if I've learned anything in the NFL, it's just don't leave it up to the refs. 
absolutely not. <laughs> but then uh, that's an, another story. Uh, gentlemen, we're going to move on and we come to Paycor Stadium huh? uh, in Cincinnati. Well, the Cincinnati Bengals came in. Uh, sorry, no, they didn't. The Seattle Seahawks came in to uh, visit the Cincinnati Bengals for the 66,300. 85 people um this game was an absolute slugfest the Bengals came away with a 17 to 13 win in this one it was a fairly boring game to watch from a neutral's point of view if I'm going to be honest but I'm not going to talk too much about it Jake McGee Seahawks Bengals what did you think yeah, this was my, my first bet. This was my kind of game. Um, now for the Bengals, I mean, ropey start with a hobbled quarterback and all of a sudden the defense wakes up. Uh, you've got a much healthier Joe Burrow and the Bengals enter the bye week at 3-3 three and three and the doom and gloom of the, the start of the season is, is a bit behind them. I absolutely adored uh, Joe Burrow retrieving the ball after his rookie wide receiver got a touchdown. There was a bit of debate, is it touchdown, is it not? Ball went missing. Joe Burrow's looking around like, Where, where's the ball? He needs the ball. Um, goes and gets it for him. That you know, I, I love to see that kind of stuff. That's a proper captain right there. Uh, and then for the Seahawks, the main issue was Gino again, similar to what we're saying about um, the quarterback whose name now escapes me, Malik Willis. That's how memorable he is. Um, holding on to the ball, Gino was doing the same, and then throwing an interception into double coverage is bad. But when you've got DK Metcalf and Tyler Locker on your team, you would assume it would be to one of them. No, it was to Jake Bobo again. Not a great week for Jake's. Um, the the Bengals <laughs> defense. <laughs> no, it gets worse. Jake's did not have a good week. Uh, the Bengals did, didn't just pick off uh, Gino twice. They stopped the Hawks on fourth down inside the Rome ten twice. Um, so if your your surname starts with a H, you're probably a Bengal. They had big plays from Hill, Hilton, Hubbard, and Hendrickson, uh, which ensured the victory in an ugly fashion. But the Bengals go into the bye, like say three and three, and they won this game despite their offense finishing punt, punt, interception, punt, three and out field goal, punt, punt. Um, so when your offense can do that to, to end the game and still win, pretty good week for the defense. Um, a very good week for the defense. Now, something you didn't mention, Jake, um, which I'm going to just get your opinion on. Um, DK Metcalf. Oh, when, oh yes, how do, how could I mention this? When is this guy just going to get thrown out of the league for acting like a five-year-old child, uh, throwing tantrums, um, just attacking players, off-the-ball incidents? It's constant. Usually it's just nippy stuff. But we've seen him do um, two or three this year already absolutely just in drive uh, drive yeah there was the the one um earlier on this year and i forget who was i wasn't against the rams was it James? was it rams was it? It? was it yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was, yeah, was that was absolutely horrendous that one this mm -hmm. one was he it's honestly like i know that either he has his uh i don't know if he still has it um this mouse mouse guy that looks like a dummy um yeah if he doesn't still have it he should just keep that because he's acting like a baby dk metcalf um, if he's not fine, if he hasn't been fined for that, I don't have the information. He should be. Uh, he should be suspended. And in my opinion, just kick him out of the league. Repeat offender. Uh, it's ridiculous. Jake, did you have someone you wanted to say about that, or uh, did you have anything? Yeah, on well, it? we put we put it in the the group chat. And we were all in the sense by, like, say, once was bad enough. Mm -hmm. 
but to keep getting away with that, and it's got you know you feel like at this point you need a camera on him at all times to make sure he's not assaulting someone. And like I say, George Kittle getting fined, you know, five figures for a t-shirt, and Tyree Kill's going to get fined, God knows how much for doing a backflip. Yeah. Like the NFL will then use that clip nine hundred times. Players getting suspended for seasons or forever, basically for gambling. But we can have a man just physically assaulting and like you mentioned last game there's flags for hitting a defenseless receiver um but you know off the ball plays dead nothing's going on and he's just assaulting people i mean at that point it's a criminal charge <laughs> like it's not it's not just like he, he should be suspended he's he's just assaulting people for out and i don't understand how throughout the week like you say you end up all these players getting fined for doing stupid celebrations or doing things they shouldn't be doing but Nothing seems to be said or done about DK Metcalf, and I, I find it's not enough for me. He, he he's not. I find it's not going to do anything to these players. You've seen it with Tyreek Hill. He said when he got uh, suspended last week, and I think he gets suspended every week because he doesn't wear socks because he prefers to not wear socks. Um, and he gets literally fined every single week, and he's like, "Yeah, I, I don't care. Like, you're going to find me ten grand, and I'm getting paid millions. You know, it's like that. if you find me a fiver for not going to work for a day, I'll probably take that fiver." <laughs> Um, but DK Metcalf, if you find him for assaulting someone, he's going to be like, oh, well, suspend him. You know, make him realize his actions aren't okay because at the moment he's not getting any repercussions from it. So why would he stop? You know, he's getting cheap shots in on people, and most likely what will happen is the defender's going to react, and it's always the second guy that gets flagged. So he'll assault someone, get hit back, and he'll end up with 15 yards. So for me, there is something the league has to kind of step in and say, like you know, they should have suspended him after the Rams one because that one was just that was, ridiculous. It was, and and you know what it is? I, I'm seeing that he's acting like a toddler, but he really is. It's like when a toddler doesn't go his own way, throws a tantrum and starts swinging his arms at it. That's what DK Metcalf's doing. He's just throwing tantrums, and it's just appalling. Dave, what did you think of this? Yeah, I, I, I see him twice a year against my Rams, and it gets to the point. Last couple of years. He's always been matched up against Jalen Ramsey. That that was a kind of classic matchup uh, in these in these games, and he bites at every bit of smack talk between the two. Now Ramsey, we know he's not a quiet person. His Jalen Ramsey, and uh, yeah, I mean, there's been some kind of tension almost every time we play. Like the, when the Rams played him, I think it was Witherspoon that he kind of lashed out against uh, our new CB1. And, I mean, the only thing that's really going to happen, he's not going to get banned. He should, but he's probably not going to. The most likely scenario is that he'll probably get fined $10,000. That's the most likely scenario. If he has, if it's not already been done, it's going to be around the $10,000 mark. And for a player like that, like Jake said, it's it's like a fiver for us. You know, it's it's not, it's not going to have any impact yeah, whatsoever. It's, it, no, it's, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. It is ridiculous, and he's on, as, as you mentioned, Dick, he's on the same field as Tyler Lockett, who, in my opinion, is a better receiver than DK Metcalf, and doesn't cause any problems for the team. So they should, they see, well, see, Pete Carroll won't do that. He won't get rid of DK Metcalf. I know he won't. He should, but he won't. Uh, Tyler Lockett is a better receiver. 
So you should just keep the guy. Doesn't cause you any problem and gives you more production. Gentlemen, uh, we can't keep talking about this all day, unfortunately. Uh, so we're going to move on to the Washington Commanders who travel to Mercedes-Benz Stadium to take on the Atlanta Falcons um, in front of 69,921 fans and watch their team come away with a win. 24-16 against the Falcons. This was an interesting game. Um, Sam Howell looked really good in this game. Really good. He was 14-23, only 151 yards. Not um, spectacular downfield. Down three touchdowns, no picks. He was sacked another three times. They are getting this guy killed out there. And it's just not good for him. Um... Uh, Brian Robertson Jr., he was 10 for 31 on the ground, didn't really look too good. Now, last week, Jake, you'd mentioned that the Falcons win whenever Tyler Algier outruns Bijan Robinson. You did say that, because it's true. Now, in this game, they both had 13 carries. Tyler Algier had 51 yards, Bijan Robinson had 37 yards, um, and because they had equal amounts of carries, the Falcons lost. I'm now convinced, Jake, you're right, that they will the only win. They'll only win if Algier gets more carries than Bijan Robinson. Um, but it was it was a, a pretty defensive game. But Sam Howell with the, the three touchdown passes there, he looked really good. Three different receivers with uh, Brian Robinson Jr. had a touchdown catch. Um, Antonio Gibson had a, a one-yard touchdown catch. And Curtis Samuel, he had a touchdown catch as well. Uh, in this game, Dave, did you watch this game? It was It was... Not the best game from a neutral's point of view. Again, sort of backwards and forwards. But it was quite entertaining. But once again, I'm liking what I see from Sam Howell. I think if he just gets the ball downfield a bit more, he'll do well. But then I can say that. Maybe that was where some of the interceptions came from. And the way his offensive line is playing, I don't think he can hang on to it long enough for them to get downfield. What do you think? I mean, in the last couple of weeks, I've spoken how many times Sam Hill's been sacked. Um, and it's just, the numbers are just adding up. The, the man's going to be broken by the end of the season. It's, they've got to be really careful with that. Um, two, you know, two young quarterbacks, Hull and Ritter, in this game. One played very well when he was on target, and the other one, not so well. He was off target quite a lot and deserved the three interceptions. Um, the uh, the thing one thing I don't like though from the Falcons, Falcons obviously every team has a running unit that that's basically how each team tends to play now. So you've got Tyler Algier, Bijan Robinson, and Cordero Patterson. Now Cordero Patterson touched the ball twice in this game. One was a reception, one was a carry. The ca- the reception was uh, just what he was targeted once. He had six yards from that one. Okay, fair enough. That just one to the running back. He rushed once. For zero yards. We know the caliber of running back that he is. Now, obviously, Tala Algier, Bijan Robinson, they're very, very good running backs as well. But when you're letting your quarterback, you're instructing your quarterback to throw 47 times in a game, when you have a, a running back unit like that, you should be playing to your strengths. I think it it's, has become very apparent to me that the new head coach does like to throw the ball rather than run it. Um, but both of these teams, I feel, are stronger in the run game. I think they, they have been for the last couple of years. We know this. But, you know, it's you've got players like Drake London, Cal Pitts, 
Um, obviously, now you've got Van Jefferson as well, who's just who started his first game. He got no catches despite two targets, which I'm not the most sympathetic towards. Um, but yeah, so I, 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 it really wasn't a good game for a neutral. It was good to see Scary Terry. Uh, he he basically got the Commanders into good field position a lot uh, with six receptions. But yeah, there wasn't a uh, what there wasn't a lot to take from this game to be honest. I, I thought both teams were quite inconsistent. When Sam Hall was on target, he was really good though. So the big shout out to him. Uh, but they need to protect that man because he's not going to be able to lift himself up, let alone throw a football 30, 40 yards uh, if this carries on. Yeah, he's he's really had a tough time behind that offensive line. They need they need to sort that out. This is going to reaching record levels of sacks for Sam Howell. Um, Jake, did you have anything you wanted to add to that one? Yeah, there was, I mean, Desmond Ridder, a few weeks ago we were saying should have been benched, and they had a career day, and everyone's like, okay, maybe he's a turn to corner. He's never lost a home game. You know, life's good. And then this week, three interceptions, intentional grounding, missing wide open receivers. And the most worrying thing for me if I cared about the Falcons, which I don't, uh, would be that the Falcons didn't seem to have good communication between Ridder and the either offensive coordinator or the coach. Uh, they ended up spiking the ball on the second to last play and then still had to call a timeout to avoid a delay of game and then just got the playoff on the final. And it's like, at this point, you've had like two minutes to discuss this one play and you, you've taken a spike, a delay of game, and then run the clock to literally zero seconds. It was just a very concerning um, operation in Atlanta at the moment. Davidson, I just feel like they don't know their identity. Last year, they had a great running room. This year, they've added to the running room. And then some weeks, they're like, yeah, we're going to run the ball. We're great. Forget Drake London and Kyle Pitts. And then other weeks, they're going, oh, we drafted Drake London and Kyle Pitts really high. We need to throw to them. Forget the running backs. It's like, well, surely there's got to be an offensive genius out there that goes, hold on, why don't we do a bit of both? Why don't we run the damn ball and then find our wide receivers? And that's oh, coming from our help it. that's coming from our offensive genius Jake McGee, there, who clearly knows. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> clearly knows more right than whatever's going on there. Do you know? Just, just before we move on, gentlemen, a quick side note here. I I often wonder when I when I'm watching games and you see a team come on for their first play of a drive for you know whatever it's been the you know punt or start the second half, whatever it is, and then they're huddling around, and then they're doing all this, and you're thinking, have you not already got this? You've been sitting on the sidelines for 10 minutes. Do you not already have the first play? We're doing this. Why do they not do that? I don't understand it. I'm sure there's a reason for it. I just can't think what it is, because it just bugs me. And it's like, when you see... When you see teams calling a timeout on like the third play of the game, I, like you didn't have your first three plays in. Seriously, it it should I think be. It a, was, sorry, sorry, I was sorry, just going to say. I, I think it was. Um, I, I remember seeing that conversation between Jason Bella and Osi, uh, who they were saying that they have about three or four different drives for different scenarios that they're supposed to practice during the week, scripted. You know to 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 do this during during the games. So I'm not sure it could be lack of preparation. I mean, in this game, if you look at it on paper, the Falcons should have hammered the Commanders because the Commanders had a total of 193 yards on offense, whereas the Falcons had 402 yards. 
and yet the commanders come away 24-16 winners. It's, and clock management, we've got, what, 60 minutes in a game? Falcons had the ball for 36 and a half minutes. But they just can't capitalise. Uh, it's. I, I think there's, um, obviously it's a new head coach, but I, I think there, there's a few, uh, mis- like you were saying, miscommunication, it seems to be a big one on the Falcons right now. So, yeah, that, like Jake was saying, uh, do you know what? I, I think neither of these teams have a proper identity right now. Sam Hull could be great, then could be bad. Look at the Falcons. Ridders nearly always bad, but you know we can move on from that. The running the running unit's quite good, um, but yeah, it, it's it's miscommunication, I think. Yeah. So, gentlemen, moving on, we then come to Everbank Stadium. I'm not sure when they named that one, that one. Um, Indianapolis Colts, the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I don't actually have an attendance for this. Need to work that one out. No um, idea what's happened there. I- but all we know is that the Indianapolis Colts, with Gardner Minshew under centre, didn't look anything like I thought they were going to look. And the Jaguars absolutely stomped the Colts 37-20 to 20 in this one. Um, we're going to hand it over to you, Jake, for this one. I was, I was really... Not upset, I'll say. I was, just, I was expecting a lot more from Gardner Minshew, but uh, what did you make of this one, Jake? Yeah, it wasn't quite the, the homecoming he was looking for. I mean, it was the ninth consecutive home victory versus the Colts. Was slightly oversad- uh, overshadowed by Trevor Lawrence twisting his knee with only three minutes, ten left, up 14 in field goal range on a third down. Makes you really question what Trevor Lawrence is doing in the game at that point or why you're trying to put him out on like a swing route almost like you try not to kill your franchise and um, that would be my again offensive genius that i am i would say don't kill trevor lawrence um trevor lawrence good injury bad um the colts on the other hand couldn't run the ball which ended up with Minshew throwing the ball 55 times on his return to jacksonville he fumbled once through three interceptions not great, but maybe not a surprise because Jacksonville now lead the NFL with 15 takeaways, and it's a defense that just continues to grow and improve, um, making an argument to be the best Josh Allen at this point. Um, it's a very hotly contested all of a sudden. You know, for a long period of time, has been Josh Allen, and then, oh yeah, the Jaguars have a guy called Josh Allen. Well, this year, it's like, well, Josh Allen is looking like Josh Allen. To, to, to end the ramble, um, on a positive note for the Jags, it's the first time since 2007 the Jaguars are above 500 after six games. Um, and we've seen before when they had Saxonville, good defense, didn't have much on offense. And mentioned before, with te- you know the Broncos, it seems to be one or the other. Well, the Jags seem to be putting both together uh, and working together. And like I say, if this defense continues to grow, then all of a sudden they do look a bit frisky come playoff time. So... Taking care of business, owning the Colts, uh, or owning any rival at home is always sweet. And it wasn't particularly close. It wasn't close at all. Um, And Patrick Jackson will be very happy at this result, but maybe not, as you mentioned, that injury to to Trevor Lawrence. On a short week as well. Like, it's bad enough, you know, like I say, three minutes, ten left, up 14, field goal range, third down. Why is Trevor Lawrence out there? Especially when you play on Thursday. If there's ever a time to, like, sit your quarterback or... You know, run the ball, just you know, get get a field goal, go up seventeen, call it a day. It's probably when you play in four or five days. Um, so he seems to be in practice, but I'm pretty sure I had a brace on his knee. So be interesting. You need that mobility, and hopefully he's not too well. I say hopefully as a neutral, unbiased person. Hopefully he's not too bothered. Mm. Um, 
for tomorrow as a Saints fan, and you know, I'll be quite happy if he isn't. But uh, Dave, uh, very quickly, throw this one over to you uh, just for a second because do you think maybe there's an NFL team out there? Well, actually, I can tell you, guarantee there are several NFL teams out there. So you could maybe use someone like Jake on the sideline, standing next to the head coach, <laughs> and the head coach says, "What do you think of this, Jake? Don't kill your quarterback." Oh. Let's get yeah. Trevor out of the game. See, if you if you were on the sidelines there and you were working for the Jags, Jake, and you were 14 points up in field goal range, let's take Trevor out. <laughs> we don't need him in the game. He might get hurt. Do you know? I'm, ju- I'm, ju- I'm just just spitballing that. It's just an idea. Just there's, an idea. There's got to be a role for me because Dave or Test is a guy whose job for the Rams is to basically pull Sean McVay off the field. Uh, because he has a tendency to be on the field and get in the ref's way and stuff. So his job is basically keep him out of harm's way. So there's got to be a job for me just to go around as Captain Common Sense, being like, hey, maybe we don't do that. I think that, I think every NFL team should have a guy who just does that. And just, you know, when the coach is called, he's like, what are you doing? Don't do that. That's a stupid thing to do, you know? Why, why are you spiking the ball? Just run the ball. What are you doing? He was like, why, why is Trevor Lawrence in the game? Get him out of there. What are you doing? Someone needs to be a what-are-you-doing guy. Every team needs one of those guys. What are you doing? Behave yourself, coach. That's what they need. Anyway, uh, we're going to move on, gentlemen. We are moving on. Oh, sorry, before we do, you mentioned Gardner Minshew attempted 55 passes. Zach Moss, seven carries, 21 yards and a touchdown. That's three yards per carry. Not particularly good, but still damn sight better than Jonathan Taylor who got paid. Eight carries, 19 yards, zero touchdowns. So um, Zach Moss still outperforming Jonathan Taylor after this huge contract. Play to your strengths, though. I know Garner Minshew's a good quarterback, but you've got two very good and one extremely good in form running back in Zach Moss. And, you know, they, they failed at first. Keep going. Have a game plan and mix it up. They knew what they were going to do almost every play. Garner Minshew, 55 attempts. That, that's ridiculous so a bit of mismanagement from the Colts definitely so we are moving on gentlemen we go to Soldier Field where the Vikings were taking on the Chicago Bears in front of 62,167 fans and this was just field goal field goal field goal uh, in the first half <laughs> between Greg Joseph and Kyra Santos just battering field goals it was 6-6 with until 12 seconds to go in the second in the first half when Jordan Addison got a 10 yard pass from Kirk Cousins to put them up 12-6 in this game um, and then it was sort of backwards and forwards again, trading teams, training field goals. Jordan Hicks had a 42-yard fumble return, 19-6. Um, Tyson, is it Bagent? 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 I think it's Bagent, but I honestly don't know. Bagent, uh, who I understand, if I heard the commentator correctly, his father was a world arm wrestling champion. If I heard the commentator correctly... I think that's what he said. Um, Tyler Bagent had to come in in place of Justin Fields uh, and just, he had no chance. He had no chance. He just looked like a fish out of water. Justin Fields absolutely reverted back to himself. Uh, The Justin Fields that we've seen after two, like the two best games of his life, he just went back to being Justin Fields. Uh, We all know that it's illegal for the Bears to have good quarterback play. Um, and the, you know they had two weeks of it, and then they're now paying the price. Um, I see the Vikings came away with a nineteen to thirteen win in this one. 
it wasn't a great game. Uh, I'm not sure the extent of Justin Fields' injury, but it did not look good. The way he went down and he was he was grabbing his arm, uh, going into the tent and then subsequently out for the game. And Tyler Bajant, if, the, if that's how you pronounce it, um, just Tyson. Looked. Tyson. Oh, sorry, Ty- Tyson <laughs> Bajant. Beg your pardon. There was no. <laughs> I got, <laughs> he did. It is how you pronounce it. I got, I got so much on the surname. <laughs> I, I know, right? Okay, I got it wrong. Okay, you know, we make mistakes. Guys, trying to rub it in. Anyway, point is, um, he just he had no chance. He had no chance in this game. If he's going to be playing next week for the for the Bears, then um, they're going to be in serious trouble unless. Uh, maybe it's just the fact that he was thrown in last second if he gets a, a week of practice behind him because he looked terrible in this. He really, really looked bad in this game. Just looked like he didn't have a clue. Um, the fumble was horrendous. It was an awful fumble. It was one of those fumbles where you could see it coming from a mile away. You could see the defender coming like, he's going to fumble this ball. He did. Scoop and score for the Vikings. Um, Dave, did you see anything of this game? It was... Um, a scrappy one, but the Vikings come away with a win, and we're not sure what to make of this team yet. No, we're not. And I think, I mean, the Bears are so hot and cold that it's unreal. You've got, I mean, I think it was last last week that I said that the Bears looked magical for about two or three quarters, and then this week they just looked r- ridiculously bad. It, it, it was very. It was. I'm not going to kind of um, you know, dress it up. It was bad, and Justin Fields looked back to the worst version of Justin Fields there. Kirk Cousins got, he did what he needed to do basically. Um, they couldn't get the run game going. Well, to be honest, neither side could really. The only success Chicago really had was in, in the run game. De- Deontay Foreman with uh, 65 yards there. Uh, Alexander Madison averaging 2.4 yards a carry was not good and he had one I think a one eight yarder, and that was as good as it got. Cam Akers got one carry for eight yards. So shame. Uh, anyway, um, so yeah, it was it it, it wasn't an I, offensive I just, I'd just like class. to point out that's eight yards per carry. That's pretty good. Yeah, like if it wasn't for eight chan, that'd be leading the league. Yeah, let, let's let's just wait for Rabs <laughs> running back because there may be a part to come on that one. But uh, yeah, it, it it wasn't. It was a bad spectacle. I did not enjoy watching this game at all. Uh, I actually was watching it in forty, and just after uh, Justin Fields went down, I switched off in forty and switched to the highlights, and which was a very short highlight presentation, to be honest. So yeah, it was the the the, the, only, the, the most notable thing from this game. The official attendance of social or of social field Soldier Field is listed as sixty one and a half thousand. The attendance of this was 62,167. So health and safety should take a look at Chicago. Not only because Justin Fields can't stay upright and can't play quarterback, but that there was too many people in Soldier Field, and this is a spectacle that they had to watch. So yeah, That's the real, the real crime here. Yes, that is a crime. Yes, this is, it's, there needs to be an investigation into this. Someone needs to be fined and banned and kicked out of the league. Well, they're, they're talking about moving the, moving the stadium. Um, from uh, away Arlington, from yeah, to Arlington, you're like, you're like, what's going on here? The movie, I mean, they need to, you know, just no, 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 they need to put it right into the Pacific Ocean to get rid of this sh- horrible Chicago Bears performances. This is just, it's, it was so bad, it's, yeah, I, I, you know, I, it, it was bad. But it was can really you, bad. seriously, though, 
very, very quickly, I know we're, we're, we're running over time already. Uh, can you imagine the Bears playing anywhere other than Soldier Field? That's ridiculous. No. I mean, it's like when yeah, the 49ers... The, the CFL. <laughs> when, when, the, when the 49ers left Candlestick Park... That, now, if, if you don't know the story of that, we do not have time to go into it. No. It's an, it was an absolute fiasco, the 49ers leaving Candlestick Park. But anyway... Candlestick Park no longer exists. I cannot imagine the Bears leaving Soldier Field, but they're really talking. Yeah, we're going to move over here. We're, we're, I don't know if they're demolishing it because I think part of the building is listed. That's how old Soldier Field is. Um, but they're, they're moving it away, so I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I like them playing at Soldier Field. Anyway, we are going to move on, gentlemen, and we come to Jake's New Orleans Saints versus the Houston Texans at NRG's. Stadium. I'm not sure what NRG stands for if they were just thinking like that sort of zone thing when they wanted it to be energy. It might be because it's stupid. Anyway, attendance 71,810 fans watch the Texans beat the Saints 20 to 13. Jake, I'm going to stop talking. This is all yours, mate. Um, I pride myself on being the unbiased one and not going on to rants and this, you know, not being a Neosa Broncos rant. You will have to bear with me this week. Uh, the Saints ran eight plays inside the Houston 20. They achieved a total of negative 16 net yards, uh, offensive holding, a sack of 11 yards, a two-yard run, incomplete, incomplete, zero-yard run, one-yard run, two-yard completion. Jimmy Graham, our big red zone threat, the whole reason we signed him was on the field for two of those plays, uh, the two-yard run and the rush for no gain. So make of that what you will. Um, we've been whistled for a league-high 55 penalties for a league-high 416 yards. We have 18 offensive holding and nine defensive pass interference. Both lead the NFL. And opponents gained 16 first downs by penalty, which is second in the NFL, so at least we're not worse on that. Um, all comes down to coaching. Every single thing I've mentioned there is coaching. Not just Pete Carmichael. Dennis Allen, you don't get away with it this week. For one, you hired Pete Carmichael. Um, for two, this team is... The, the offensive line sucks, so Doug Marone, you can suck it too. Um, just the offense in general. Awful. Um before this week, and this was uh, something I mentioned a few weeks ago I was keeping track of, the NFL kickers were 120 for 120 on 35 yards or less field goals. But up steps, Blake Groupie. Missed from 52, and then missed from 29. Um, if you look at the box score, um, it just seems to be an NFC South thing. If you look at the box score, the Saints win by about 30 in this game. It's, it's not even remotely close. Um, not only how did the Saints not win it, but how the heck did they only score 13 points? Uh, I will try and focus a little bit on the Texans. Uh, Shroud um, only threw 13 for 20, uh, for 13 from 27, 199 yards, two touchdowns. Threw his first career interception, but it doesn't really count because Zach Bourne just immediately fumbled it back to them, so it's like he never lost it. Um, just bizarre. Uh, the Texans ran the ball well, and their defense... Seem to define the, the cliche of bend but don't break. Uh, the Texans enter there by a frisky 3-3, three and three, and I'm proud that I was on the Texans way back when we were doing our kind of division previews and saying the Texans, I had them coming second in the division. It's looking pretty good right now. Um, they're 3-3 three and three looking frisky. The Saints, on the other hand, 3-3, three and three, but I've lost three of the last four. And if you look at their schedule, we've beaten 
the Panthers who are zero and six, the Patriots who are one and five, and the Titans who are two and four and suck, uh, and even the teams we've lost to suck as well. Our schedule is an absolute cakewalk. Just, just burn it, burn all. First of all, I don't rant. I'm just. I like to get that out there. Okay. <laughs> Can we cut, cut to the first 20 minutes of this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there. Okay, maybe I do. Maybe I do. Anyway, but Jake, listen, I'm with you. I, I watched this game and it was appallingly bad. Uh, the mistakes. and But is this now the third time that you've cursed somebody this year? I think it is. You've cursed the kickers and you've cursed uh, interceptions. I don't claim the kickers one because I ca- I called it like three four weeks ago and it still somehow lived all the way up until uh, the Saints. So okay. I, I don't claim this one. All right then, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the this was this was a tragedy for, for Saints. For, I'm sorry, Jake. I'm not laughing. I'm really not. It's because I feel your pain. It this was painful to watch. Um, I don't know what's going on. I I predicted the Saints would score twenty eight points in this one. They should have done. They should have done. And they just couldn't. The self-destruction of New Orleans in this game was beyond reproach. It was just, I, I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, wow, that's impressive self-destruction from New Orleans in this game. Um, so I think what we should maybe do, David, do you have anything to add about this one before we move on? Not a whole lot, except uh, you know, kudos to the Saints' defense. They they were they were probably the only highlights, uh, and I, I use that very lightly. Um, C.J. Stroud throwing his first interception of the year, and uh, also there was uh, the Texans were going into this game with a franchise record that the Saints managed to break um, because they had they had entered the game having not allowed a sack in the th- in the last three games, and they managed to sack him twice. So that's something i guess it's not yeah. a whole lot <laughs> but, um, i appreciate the positive speech. jake you're very do, does, being on being on the, the the losing end of this jake does do those no, words not ring hollow to you <laughs> no because they don't ring hollow and if if we had covered this game first maybe they would but me and dave piled on you with the broncos and, and dave yeah. chose not to pile on me so it is it is appreciated yeah that's true actually you both did don't know why I have you guys on this. <laughs> anyway, uh, we're going to move on, gentlemen. Uh, and we finally come to a bit of a, well, I'm going to say a shootout, but a high-scoring game. The Carolina Panthers versus the Miami Dolphins at Hard Rock Stadium in front of 65,529 fans. And the Panthers roared out, because the Panthers, see what I did there, roared out a 14 to nothing lead with 11... shambles. What was that? Everybody's pickums were in shambles. <laughs> they certainly were. Carolina Panthers were at a fourteen to nothing lead. They were in fourteen to nothing with eleven fourteen to go in the second quarter, and by halftime they were losing. You're like, what's going on here? Uh, Raheem Mostert caught a, a three-yard touchdown pass from two uh, two Vailoa. Jalen Waddle caught a four-yard pass from two Hatton Vailoa, and then Tidy Kill got a forty-one-yard pass from two. Uh, Tagovailoa for a 21-14 uh, lead, 1.54 to go in the second. So within within less than 10 minutes, did score three touchdowns, and the Panthers never recovered from that. Raheem Mostert scored another two times in the second half. He leads the league in touchdowns in this one. Um, Dave, I'm going to put it over to you. I'm not sure what 
more we can sort of say about this uh, Dolphins team, um, they uh, speed. It's the, they're so fast. Every time you watch them, it seems they're actually getting faster. I don't know what's going on. Dave, it's all yours. Carolina, Miami, what did you make of it? I mean, to sum up the game in two words, speed kills. And that's pretty much what happened. They, it was an interesting start of the game because the Dolphins just didn't look like they showed up. I was watching this game. Uh, they, they just didn't look like they showed up at all. And the Panthers got two touchdowns in the first quarter. They were 14-11. I thought, what is going on? Is this finally the rails coming off? But oh no, then they came out firing and then they just did not stop. Tyreek Hill was amazing. Um, there, there, there is going to be another, I think it was another 10,000 dollar fine uh, for Tyreek Hill coming up for a celebration where he grabbed someone's phone, did a backflip in the end zone and filmed it basically like a selfie. So uh, yeah, that's good. And that's going to be the same kind of level of fine as uh, the Seahawks DK Metcalf is probably going to receive as well. So obviously, as we've said before, the NFL have their priorities straight, but back to the actual game, Dolphins scored 35 unanswered points in the game to just run away with it uh, before the Panthers finally got something in the fourth quarter. Panthers had a few injuries going into this game as well. Mal Sanders, we know, is a very good running back, uh, was out injured. Uh, so I think it was Hubbard that came in uh, for him. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it wasn't enough. It wasn't ever going to be enough. Uh, Bryce Young did okay, but I think there was a few times in the game when he showed a bit of inexperience and... Uh, yeah, I think the only thing he didn't do was uh, be picked off, basically. But one thing I, that did stand out, not necessarily about the team plays, but that a couple players on both sides of the ball had cramping issues. Um, most notably, Tyreek Hill. Um, they, you know, they, they seem to be a bit dehydrated. This is the second game in a row that uh, Tyreek Hill has had to have uh, an IV because of cramping issues. Uh so I think a little bit of player safety. Obviously, we know the Dolphins are best for their, their player safety uh, record in the last few years. But um, yeah, the, the, there's that that was something that was I, I noted anyway myself. But there, there was just no stopping. Once the Dolphins got going, it was just a bulldozer. Uh, we even got to see uh, Jalen Waddle uh, joining us well with his delightful Waddle celebration. Raheem Mostert. Just he stepped up. He had a couple big, big runs. That was just magic. So, yeah, and obviously, you know, we uh, the, the game's won. What's a what's a good thing to do if you're on offense with the Dolphins? They're twenty one points up. Take off to it. Give them a little rest. In comes Mike White. What's Mike? What, what does Mike White do? Mike White. He has he has my job. He has one attempt. And gets picked. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, he also uh, tried to kind of, he, he went, he dropped back a couple times as well and ended up with three carries for minus four yards. So Mike White with not the best game of his career. Uh, but, you know, the game was already won by that point. So it was, but, it was kind of mute. Yeah, but see, that's the thing, right? The, the game was won. You'd rather Mike High win. Yeah. <laughs> The, the, the game's won. It's just like, get two out of there, throw Mike White in. Yeah, he didn't play well. That doesn't matter. He's getting some reps, and Tua stays healthy. That's what it's all about. 
Yes, but Mike at Wright. the same time, he, the way he played was that he came out hammered because he'd already been <laughs> celebrating the, the celebrating the Mid win. Hot dog. <laughs> he's just yeah, got a drink drink in one hand. He's got a hot dog down, uh, tucked into the belt, just <laughs> waiting, just waiting for that to uh, just to get off the field and start partying. But um, yeah, there, there was it, it was just like once once the Dolphins got going, it was a procession. To be honest. Um, that there wasn't a huge highlight for uh, Carolina. Maybe Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen did really well. He nearly caught every single one of his targets. He did get a touchdown as well on uh, 115 yards. But Tyreek is running away with the receiving yards this year, and it's just getting more and more and more. So it was a procession in the end, I'm afraid. Uh, it was a bit worrying for Tyreek Hill. I mean, mentioned cramp. The mm. way he pulled up, I I thought for sure his hamstring. It was hamstring. Yes, yeah. that's right. Immediately, I was like, "Oh my god, his hamstring's gone!" And that yeah. that that could be season ending. I was like, "Oh no!" And then he like, he's back about like ten minutes later. Like, oh, and you're used to people going to Miami, especially at these kind of six p.m.s um, or, or I suppose one p.m. for for them. Um, you're used to opposing teams struggling and getting cramp and needing IVs, needing shade and fans and kind of the Miami's home field advantage. But like I say, it's two games in a row for Terry Kills. Like, you, you should be aware of what you're getting into. This is your home field. Um, so hopefully, going forward, he'll take on more liquids, but maybe he's worried it'll cost him 0.1 mile per hour and he won't get that 22 number. Um, 165 yards for Tyreek in this game. That's his fifth game this year, over 150 yards. Would either of you guys like to uh, take a guess at what the NFL record for games of over 150 yards in a season is? Five? Seven. Five! <laughs> Tyree Kill has tied the NFL record for most games in a season with over 150 yards. He's done it in Bonus six random stats. games. Bonus random stat. I hope that wasn't a random stat, guys. Uh, yeah, I, I was like, what? Another 150 yard game. He's on course. Now, we always say these things because, you know, like after week one, someone's on course for 112 touchdown passes and stuff like that. But he is actually on pace for like 2,300 odd yards this season. It's just unbelievable what Tyreek is doing. It's ridiculous. Anyway, Jeff. The thing is, though, Tua, Tua will get, if, if either of them are up yeah. for MVP, it's Tua that's going to get it, not Tyreek. Yeah. yeah. You're best he can hope for as offensive player of the year. Literally, if you're not a quarterback, that's the best you can hope It's for. Cooper Cup again. Yeah. You, look, mm-hmm. look what Cooper Cup achieved, but he was he, he Michael Thomas. Walk. Yeah, exactly. Michael, yeah. Um, Julio Jones. <laughs> he did you know, mm-hmm. oh, it. Calvin Johnson. Yeah, yeah it, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It doesn't matter what you do. If you Aaron do. Donald. He didn't, uh, oh, yes. You're, you unless you're a quarterback, you're not going to get the MVP love. Unless you do something literally ridiculous, and but wide receiver being such a dependent position, uh, if you if you're exploding as a wide receiver, it's always the quarterback gets a love. Gentlemen, we're moving on. We are moving on, and we come to Allegiant Stadium where the New England Patriots are visiting the Las Vegas Raiders in front of sixty one thousand nine hundred and eighty five fans. And what can we say about this game? I said this last week. Actually, the past two weeks I've said this. This Patriots offense is disgusting. It's so bad that it's actually unwatchable. This was the best they've played in three weeks, 
and they look rotten. Um, the Las Vegas Raiders come away with a 21-17 victory in this one. Um, but I'm, I am completely out on Mac Jones. 24-33, sounds okay. 200 yards, no touchdowns, one interception. He was sacked three times, a rating of 75.3. Um, and it's just, it just, it's no good. I don't know if it's Bill O'Brien, if it's all his fault calling this offense. I think it is, because as I've said before, and as many people have said before, Bill O'Brien is a hack. He should not have a job in the NFL. He's hopeless. Saka. Bill Belichick, if you're listening, and you might be, I'm not sure, you should get Jake McGee to come on and be your offensive coordinator. <laughs> because I guarantee the offense will be better than whatever Bill O'Brien is putting out there. It is just appallingly bad. Uh, take nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing away from the Raiders' defense in this one. Uh, they were just getting into the backfield all the time again. Max Crosby again. That guy is everywhere. In every game you see him in, he is just everywhere. Uh, the game ended with a safety, uh, essentially. Mac Jones going down there late in the fourth quarter. Um, the, the Patriots just have nothing. But the one thing that really surprised me was the penalties on the Patriots. Now, if you look at the actual um, the, the box score here with the penalties, it was 10 penalties, 79 yards. Now, we've seen much worse than that. We've seen near enough 200 yards of penalties in a game. But it just seemed like every single penalty was at the costliest moment for the Patriots. Everyone either wiped out a play or was just at the absolute worst time. You know, they'd get it down to like, it was like third and inches and false start now. It's third and six. Or, you know, you'd throw the ball down the field. It was a really good catch and then up, pull back for holding. Finally break a run, pull back for holding. And it just seemed relentless with these penalties even though as I say there was only 10 penalties on the Patriots in this game 10 which is not a lot but it just seemed to absolutely cripple them and I don't know this is the worst Patriots team that I have seen since what 1991 I'm taking a punt there because they were rotten in 1991 this is awful this is a terrible Patriots team um, I they're missing. Are they really, really missing uh, Matt Judon? Oh my word! Mm-hmm. You would not think that one player, who who we all knew was a good player, but isn't that sort of you know Aaron Donald type of player, or or even a Max Crosby type of you know like the one man absolute wrecking crew? But my goodness, did they miss Matt Judon on that defense? They, they're getting nothing done. It just seems that there's huge holes in the middle of that. As soon as the, the, the defensive line is breached, there just seems to be 10 yards of nobody. Um, the Raiders were able to do pretty much anything they wanted, although they struggled themselves against the Patriots. I look at some of the, the numbers here. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo's 14-22 for 162 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Brian Hoyer came in, he was 6-10 of 10 for 102 yards. Um, Josh Jacobs went 25 for 77 on the ground. He also caught a couple of passes for 16 yards. Every, any way you look at it, the Raiders didn't play particularly well offensively, but the Patriots were just terrible. 
uh, and the Raiders defensively looked very good. And again, the Patriots were just terrible. This is a horrendous, horrendous Patriots team. And they are now 1-5, and five, uh, which I think is the first time they've been 1-5 since 1965. The Raiders moved to th- I know, 1965. The Raiders moved to three and three. Um, Dave, I'll chuck it over to you quickly. I- I've already mentioned, I've said after the past couple of weeks, I'm totally out on Mac Jones. They should just bench this guy, uh, trade for someone, sign someone, get a guy off the street. I don't know. Bring in Jake as offensive coordinator, as we've already said. Sack Bill O'Brien. The man is utterly useless. Is there any saving anything at all this season for the Patriots in your mind, Dave? What do you got? No. Uh, just in one simple and time, that's no. Dave Somerville's review there. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so uh, what I would say, though, is that the uh, what, what does a successful quarterback need? Uh, a good offensive line, and you also need a running unit as well. Ramondre Stevenson and Zeke have not been performing as well as they could be. Uh, you know, they, they're averaging not great. Um, Stevenson had a good year last year, uh, and now he's joined by uh, Zeke Elliott. They, they just, they're not getting anything done. I think it's down to the offensive line, to be honest. Um, you know, Mac Jones, he, wa- he wasn't terrible, but the, the, when he was bad, he was awful. And I mean awful. He, he, the decision-making was very, very not good. Um, but and yet they they're this year they're missing Jacoby Myers, uh, who funnily enough was on the other team for this game uh, and racked up sixty one yards against them. But they they've pretty much taken on uh, Kendrick Bourne as their wide receiver number one, ten receptions for eighty nine yards from eleven targets. So that was pretty good. Aside from that, he he just he, apart from uh, Ramondre Stevenson and Mike Gesicki getting check downs uh, because they just couldn't get their routes going at all. So I, I'm I'm putting that down to Bill O'Brien. Um, I mean, Devontae Parker was targeted three times. He was one one for seven yards. Yeah, Hunter Henry one for seven yards as well. It, it, there's just the, the offense was just every single route was scripted. I think would be a good word. And the Raiders just saw it coming every time. That Raiders defense is pretty good but you know jimmy g also getting a back injury and getting taken to hospital was quite a bad one so uh brad hoyer came in uh so he you know he's 35 and he put on a decent show as well but they're probably looking at aiden o'connell for next week for the raiders uh, because jimmy g is extremely questionable and did not practice uh today so yeah the raiders just kind of they, they got it done they did enough uh the patriots just had nothing and yeah bill o'brien needs to go I just the only thing I'd really wrote down was that the offensive line absolutely sucks, and this because there's no consistency. They're chopping and changing constantly. They don't seem to make their mind up. I mean, they traded away Shaq Mason for a packet of gummy bears. Um, they took Cole Strange in the first round, which was strange and doesn't seem to be working out. And Mac Jones threw one really good pass this game, and it was dropped by Devontae Parker. It was an absolute dime. <laughs> a massive gain and just went through his hands basically it was kind of summed up the Patriots and yeah I'm glad Dave mentioned Jacoby Myers it was the Jacoby Myers revenge game Juju didn't even suit up I will come each week keep bringing up the difference 
between that and I may be a better offensive coordinator than Bill O'Brien. I'm definitely a better GM than Bill O'Brien. And honestly, at this point, I'm starting to question if I'd be a better GM than Bill Belichick because questionable decision after questionable decision. Yeah. Uh, now, you mentioned Mac Jones for that one throw. He also threw the worst interception in the history of mankind, um, oh. which was just unbelievable. I've seen bad interceptions. We all have. We've seen quarterbacks. We've seen Matt Shaw play. We've we've seen some really <laughs> bad quarterback play, uh, particularly when you, you just see like a ball going deep and there's no receiver near it, and the defender just like goes under it. And we've all seen that. But usually, when that happens, it's because either the quarterback's unsighted or that you know there's a miscommunication. And we know this. You know it, it happens. Receiver goes this way. He's expecting to go that way, and it's just a safety. But on this play, Mac Jones rolls out and sees his receiver. And you can see that, and I forget who it was, I think it was one of the tight ends. And then sees the defender and then throws it to the defender. And you're just like, that's, uh, you literally threw that. They were, they were like, it wasn't like one was in front of the other. It wasn't an athletic interception Mac Jones threw that pass to a defender as if that defender was his own teammate he just went oh there you go take that and I am so out of Mac Jones the guy sucks they need they need to get rid of Mac Jones just do you know what bring in Bailey Zappi let him play the rest of the season if you don't like what you got you lose out your games go and pick someone in the draft because there's Brian Hoyer they they had Malik Cunningham, who's kind of like a wide receiver quarterback hybrid, kind of exciting player. They had him on the practice squad. They didn't just bring him up from the practice squad. They gave him an immediate three-year contract. So um, I would assume they're going to go in that kind of direction. But, but they, they have to. Yeah. Otherwise, they are looking at a, a, a very good draft pick. Um, yeah, you, you've got to think so. So, uh, gentlemen, we're going to move on. We're going to MetLife Stadium where the Philadelphia Eagles, the last undefeated team in the NFL, <laughs> went in to take on the New York Jets, and Dave's already laughing. He's already laughing. I don't have a I don't have a attendance for this one. No idea why, but sometimes we don't get one. Anyway. America. Um, yeah, America. It was 83,068 83, people. Thank you very much, Dave. Um, yeah, and we watched the New York Jets defeat the Philadelphia Eagles. 20 as we all predicted. As everyone of <laughs> yeah. us predicted. 20 to 14. Eagles fall to 5 and 1. The Jets move up to 3 and 3, and I don't think anyone, anyone, saw this uh, one coming or even saw the Jets being three and three after the first four snaps of week one. Um, I mean, I, I don't really know what to say about this game because I watched this basically with my jaw on the floor the entire time because I could not believe what I was seeing. The Eagles offense was just stymied every time they, they seemed to be doing something. Because, I mean, they moved the ball fairly well in this one. Um, uh, Jalen Hurts had over 280 yards passing. Uh, they had 80 yards rushing, which is not great, obviously, but 340 total yards in this one. They only committed five penalties. They held they held the ball more. Um, they 50% in third-down conversions. The Jets were just 2 for 11. And the Eagles were 7 for 14. The Eagles should have won this game. But they didn't. The Jets did. Uh, Dave, Eagles, Jets, can you figure this one out? Because I can't. 
Well, do you remember, it might, it might even be about two months ago, I had a random stat about the Jets and the Eagles. That the Eagles had an awful, uh, sorry, had a great record against the Jets, and they were 12-0 and against the, the Jets in the regular season. Well, in, oh, the, no. in, the, in the post-game interview, Robert Sala said, they ain't 12-0 and no more. <laughs> and that was pretty much a good summary of it. But Jalen Hart's three picks. In this game, that's not good, and yeah, it was, it was pretty awful to be honest. Um, they it was more at the key stages, they were decent getting down the field. I mean, AJ Brown racked up 131 yards, and that, that's you know, no, no mean feat, but yeah, it was just at the key, the key times, they just couldn't play, they they, they just couldn't, couldn't get done. And I think they should be really disappointed in the way they played. I mean, it's not, it's not often that you see, um, uh, Zach Wilson with a higher QB rating than Jalen Hurts. That, that's not, uh, especially, you know, Zach Wilson, 19 or 33, only 186 yards, quarterback rating 73, no touchdowns, no picks. Jalen Hurts, 28 of 45, 280 yards, one touchdown, three picks. And he was sacked twice and a QB rating of 59.5. So uh, the, t- the main takeaway is though, the Eagles couldn't run it apart from Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts was eight carries, 47 yards, and a touchdown. Uh, I think he had one big one for 11 yards. The rest of the time, DeAndre Swift, 10 attempts, 18 yards. Then you had Kenneth Gainwell had two for 13 yards. They just weren't expecting to run on one of the plays, and he went for 12 yards. That was about it. There wasn't much else um, from, from the rushing unit. And the Eagles have a very good, they've got a good rushing game. It's like Jalen Hurts comes out, DeAndre Swift is a top, top running back. I, um, I don't think there's any qualms about that. Philly defense didn't really show up aside from Hassan Reddick. He had two, he had two and a half sacks in the game. Zach Wilson was re- repeatedly sacked. Um, I think it was five, I want to say. Um, but yeah, Brees Hall didn't get much done except from uh, the touchdown. And yeah, that was it. Garrett Wilson, 90 yards, eight receptions. Somehow the Jets won this one, and they're now twelve and one <laughs> against the Eagles. Uh, Jake, did you have anything to add to this one? Yeah, the, the Eagles were shut out in the second half, and the Jets didn't have DJ Reed or Sauce Gardner. Plus four in the turnovers. They've mentioned the three interception. They had a fumble as well. Like I said, Jets three and three. That's there on their bye now. And Robert Sala is, I believe, as the kids would say, was in his bag. In that interview, because he mentioned, like Dave said about the the twelve and one, but he also mentioned that they've had an a gauntlet of quarterbacks and they've embarrassed them all. So he was he was feeling himself. Well, speaking of quarterbacks, though, who who appeared on uh, on the pitch just to uh, walk about a little bit? A, cer- a certain Hall of Famer, our future Hall of Famer, and Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, we don't need to talk about and that. walking. <laughs> we don't yeah, need to talk about uh, if you update uh, Twitter or X, there has been some breaking news regarding the Jets, uh-huh. but it's not too exciting. Um, the Jets informed former Chiefs wide receiver McCall Hardman that he's been sent back to Kansas City in another late round draft pick swap. Uh, so, so it's basically the experiment of McCall Hardman has failed and Kansas City said, ah, send him back then. Well, yeah. we'll trade our sixth or your seventh or whatever it is. It'll be an absolute nothing trade. We'll see Nicole Hardman back with the Chiefs. He'll turn back into the Nicole Hardman we're seeing. He's barely suited up for the Jets. And the Jets, who have had pretty much nothing behind Garrett Wilson. So if you can't suit up then, then 
it's obviously not worked. So back back with the Chiefs. There was rumours about that earlier today as well, actually. Um, but he was targeted twice in this game and couldn't get anything from it. So I'm not surprised. Plus, the, we know the Chiefs were looking for a wide receiver and Nicole Hardman goes home. There you go, and he'll probably do very well for them indeed. Um, right, gentlemen, we're going to move on, and we come to SoFi Stadium. Dave, what your Los Angeles Rams took on Matt Prater. Sorry, took on the Arizona Cardinals, but you'd never know it. <laughs> uh, in front of 71,202 fans, the Rams come away with a 26-9 victory over the Cardinals, they really shut them down. Uh, apart from Matt Prater, who banged in three field goals. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it, Dave. You are. This one's all yours. Cardinals, Rams. Well, all I'm going to say is Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams in the first half had two carries for four yards, right? What do we do? First drive of, of the second half. I'm thinking... We've got to run the ball. I think it was last week I said, if we run under, what, 14, 15 times in a game, we lose every time. We came out in that second half and just ran, ran, ran. Kyron Williams, multiple first downs, ended up 20 carries for 158 yards. That's a good performance. And he also got the highest amount of rushing yards this week. Well done, Kyron Williams. And, you know, he got a touchdown as well, just to go with it. Matt Stafford wasn't, wasn't involved in the game as much as the running unit. We ran the ball, we ran it successful. Stafford had 15 or 24 for a touchdown and first touchdown of the season for the gem of the wide receiver that is Cooper Cup. Seven receptions for 148 yards. Fantastic, Cooper Cup. Puka Nakua, he only got four receptions for 26 yards. However, we have what I can only describe as another great blocking receiver because some of the blocks... Without him, Karen Williams would be about 40, even 50 yards less because of Nakua's great blocking skills in that game. So, fantastic. Uh, Joshua Dobbs, uh, he was hot and cold, hot and cold the whole game and mostly cold. Uh, he was picked off. Uh, his quarterback rating was 58.5. He racked up 235 yards, 21 of 41. Run, the run game was questionable. Yeah, it started out well, um, but Arizona just couldn't really get going, to be quite honest, and I was not very upset to see that. There's a few no calls as well, uh, which I was a little bit disappointed with. Guess what? The Rams are the only team from the NFC West that won. Only team in the NFC West that won. Cardinals obviously lost to the Rams. Seahawks lost to the Bengals. 49ers spectacularly lost to the Browns. So the Rams are the only win to, from uh, for the NFC West this week. I mean, I caught a couple of takeaways uh, was that in the red zone, the, uh, the Cardinals couldn't complete a pass. In the red zone the entire game, they just did not complete a pass. Um, and there was a couple of turners as well, obviously with the interception. But the Cardinals, at the key crucial moments... Just couldn't get it done. Rams defense stepped up. Obviously, we did. We did actually have a fumble, basically from from a punt return, which put the Cardinals. I think it was on the twelve yard line of the Rams. Defense managed to get the stop, and the Cardinals had to kick for three points. So, do you know what? It's a successful day. I'm so happy to say that. I'm like Jake said at the beginning of the show. Who thought the Rams were going to be? It's a Rams supporter. That was going to be really happy with how their team is performing because I didn't. I don't think any any of you guys thought either. But yeah, 
I'm very happy with how this week went. So over to you guys because I'm quite happy. That second half was the best we've looked all season. And 20 points in the second half. Unstoppable Kyron Williams. You, you, you'd rose tinted glasses of Pukanakua covering the fact that he had two horrendous drops in this game, including a clear touchdown, which he just let go right through his hands, was ridiculous. Uh, Jake, do you have anything you wanted to add to this game? (laughs) Yeah, I think you do have to applaud the the coaching staff. I mean, six yards rushing near half-time, and they seem to completely change it. And They've said straight away from that first drive, they had runs of 17, 6, 14, 10. They just seemed to, to run for fun after half. Um, to score 20 straight and just kind of take over the game, I think you do have to kind of look at the coaching staff and say there was obviously some strong words at half-time saying, okay, this is not good enough. We're going to address that. They committed to running the ball more, and especially when you're losing a game, it's very easy to get away from the run, and I think we saw that in the Jags and the Colts game where the Colts thought, oh, we'll just throw our way out of this. The, the Rams went, no, no, we're correcting what we've done wrong, and they got back to the run game, and they, they fixed it. Uh, and then the only other thing I had written down was Cooper Cup, 15 for 266 in his first two games back. So it's very nice to see him. And I'm glad they didn't kind of rush him back. They put him on IR, gave him the four weeks rather than rushing him and kind of prolonging this. He's come back and he's healthy and he's playing well. He is indeed. Cooper Cup's an excellent wide receiver. One of the best in the NFL. We all agree on that. Um, and it's good to see him back and healthy. Gentlemen, we're going to move on. We come to Raymond James Stadium, where the Detroit Lions went in to take on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in front of 65,854 yards. And I was getting some serious early 1990s NFC Central vibes from the Buccaneers uniforms. I love them. They should just keep those uniforms. I don't know why they ever changed them. Um, but the Lions come away with a win here, 20 to 6. Now, Dave, I'm going to put it to you for this game. But before I do, there was a play. There was a touchdown pass from Jared Goff to, I'm going to say it was Jameson Williams. I can't remember exactly uh-huh. who it was. Uh-huh. Now, you mentioned blocking when you talk about the Rams said there was a block thrown by one of the, the Alliance players who took out half of the Buccaneers roster. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Um, do you know what? Shame on me. I didn't write down who it was who threw that block. Break Reynolds, the backup, backup running back. The backup, backup running back threw a block that just demolished the entire secondary of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for that touchdown. It was spectacular. But Dave, put it to you, Lions, Bucks. Uh, we we thought the Lions might win this game. I didn't think they were going to win it quite so convincingly, um, despite the fact the Buccaneers didn't look that bad, but the Detroit Lions just seemed to be able to deal with everything they threw at them. What did you make of this one? Uh, well, if you start with the Bucs anyway, um, Baker started well. And when I say he started well, he had one throw where he played well. That was his very first throw. Um, after that, he got picked off. So <laughs> it didn't go quite so well for Baker after that. But um, what I, one thing I did take from this is that given time in the pocket, Jared Goff is one of the top few quarterbacks in the entire league. Uh, and that offensive line for the Lions could lead them really far this year. I'll bet it's... you didn't think you'd be saying that this <laughs> nope, time that, 18 that, months it, ago. <laughs> I just at any point in my life, I probably didn't think I'd be saying that. Um, but yeah, there was there was the pick for Baker. It was deflected, um, and basically ended up giving the Lions first and ten on the box twelve yard line. 
So, uh, um, yeah, it wasn't ideal. Um, a few, there's a good few no calls uh, on the Lions in the first half. So they got a bit of a lucky break there. And that kind of gave them a good foundation to go on and just kind of steady chip away at the box. Um, neither side could run the ball, though. There, there was just very little run whatsoever. Uh, I mean, they both they both kind of vaguely tried. Uh, Craig Reynolds, as Jake was saying, yeah, I was... Um, he, he was uh, coming up, obviously, with our picks for uh, best players of the week. He was going to be my joint offensive player of the week, um, despite his 10 carries for 15 yards because of that block completely. It, it was just amazing. I've never seen that before. But, um, yeah, I mean, he also got two receptions for 28 yards as well. Uh, obviously, it was two for it was one that was just nothing, but the other one was for 28 yards. So he was fantastic coming to the game because Gibbs and uh, David Montgomery, who Gibbs was already out injured, but Montgomery went out uh, injured as well. Um, another thing was we got to see a doink, Chase McLaughlin for the Bucks, uh, got one in, so we always like that. Uh, Riley Patterson, however, missed a field goal. Uh, 52 yards, but Goff throwing for 353 yards, 30 of 44, uh, two touchdowns, no picks, 107.5 QB rating. It's almost infuriating to see from my point of view. Um, there was not a whole lot, but Jameson Williams' catch, uh, Will Williams' catch, 45-yard touchdown, fantastic, and really just that, that meant uh, they were in the end just walking away with it, but uh, Sam Laporta was the other person that was a really Stand out and an early random stats just uh, just before uh, I finish. Um, he narrowly missed out on joining Keith Jackson of the Eagles in 1988, Jordan Reed of Washington in 2013, and Kyle Pitts in 2021 as the only tight ends in NFL history with at least 30 receptions in his first six games of his career. Laporte actually he was targeted 11 times on Saturday and has 29 catches, and he only managed to take four of them in. So he was so close to get, getting part of a very good club. Lions are marching on. They're 5-1, and, and they look good for 5-1. and one. They certainly do. Uh, Keith Jackson, that's a blast from the past. He was a monster tight end uh, for the Eagles back in the day. Uh, Jake, did you see anything in this game that you liked? I mean, I did quite like the creamsicle um, jerseys. It did remind me of Doug Williams uh, and that kind of books era. Uh, and then for the Lions, I mean, that's four in a row. And thanks to the 49ers and the Eagles that we've covered, they are now tied for the best record in the, well, not just the NFC, in the NFL. I said it, I said it at the start of the season, given the predictions, the Lions are the real deal, I believe. I, I think sure we all I'll picked probably, them to win. Yeah, the but, yeah. We did, yeah. We thought, we thought the Lions... I'm, I'm after, taking credit. <laughs> after Aiden Rodgers uh, leaving Green Bay, we did say the Lions probably had the, their best shot there. Um, now we're going to move on, gentlemen. We are moving on to New York, where the Giants travelled to take on the Buffalo Bills in New York at Highmark Stadium in front of 70,515 fans. And it went pretty much the way we expected it. Um, although, so the the Bills won this game fourteen to nine, but I saw two things in this game. Dave, I'm going to pass it over to you. But I saw two things in this game. Number one, the Giants really missed Saquon Barkley, and are so glad to have him back. And number two, Tyrod Taylor is much better than Daniel Jones. Dave, it's all yours. Bills, Giants. What did you see? 
Well, the other main takeaway is that the Giants have no concept of clock management, and this one, that was extremely, as you might know about something from last year about clock management. So, are, uh, are you trying to tell me the Giants are another team who could use Jake McGee's services on the sidelines? <laughs> It's just, I mean, a planker would would probably be better. Would know <laughs> that you know. Okay, so I'll give a little bit of a recap of what actually happened at the end of the first half. So um, the Giants are down at the one yard line of the Bills, right? And they're trying to run it in with Saquon Barkley, which that's that's a perfectly reasonable thing and perfectly logical thing to do. So they had about 10, 11 seconds left in the clock when they snapped the ball. Tried to run it in, the Bills got the stop. What you don't do then is have the big guys up front struggle to get up in time with about nine seconds left to then not be able to spike the ball with no timeouts left. It was just ridiculous. They, I'm, I'm they ran to, it. I'm going to jump oh. in here, Dave. I'm, I'm sorry. Okay, because, all right. And the only reason I'm doing, the only reason I'm interrupting you, and I apologize, this is your, your coverage, is that I cannot disagree with you more. When you've got 11 seconds on the clock, you're running the ball with no timeouts. What do you think the defense is going to do? They're going to sit on top of you guys so they cannot get up. They should have thrown, 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 and kicked a field goal. Half, half of the players down was the offensive linemen on top of each other, right? So it wasn't just the defensive line. guys. Of course, they're going to struggle to get up, but there were off it. There were there were guards and tackles on top of each other. So how can you expect the defensive linemen to get up when you can't get off each other? So it's just ridiculous. But the you know the I I don't know I don't think it was. Um, like you know, Tyra Taylor or any of the other players, I just think that they did not plan that well whatsoever. And you know, the clock was stopped going on to that place, so they should have been prepared for that. Um, yeah, it, it, the other one of the other main thing though, like you said about Barkley, he had two big runs totaling over 50 yards uh, in the fourth quarter, uh, but the, uh, the drive only ended with um. Uh, three points and that was not going to be good enough because the Bills were just on fire in that fourth quarter. They were good in the game, the Bills. They just didn't have anything to show for on the score sheet. But another thing though is that uh, the two head coaches, the tension between them was very noticeable. They they just were not, they went to like sort of half shake hands. They kind of just slapped each other's hands at the end. Um, there was a, a few kind of borderline calls of pass interference. Uh, one was given, one was not. And also the last touchdown drive for the Bills, uh, it was scored by, if I'm just, I can't remember his name. I'm fine, trying to find him in his notes. It was scored by, oh, I can't, it's, um, the, I can't really pronounce his name. It's Morris. I think it was his name. Um, Yes, Quinton Morris. Quinton Morris. It was his first target all year and a touchdown. So that, That's that not was a very particularly nice difficult name to say. I, I, no, it wasn't Quinton Morris. I, I was getting mixed up with someone else. Anyway, but Quint- there, there, Quinton, was one, there, there, <laughs> there was two concerning things. Though. One was just the play. One was another thing. Damon Harris had a neck injury. Uh, that was take, He was taken off to a hospital. So uh, that's that was very not nice to watch um, during the game. Um, and uh, also Tyler Bass. The kicker for the Bills, who's been pretty reliable, uh, missed both his field goal attempts. So that that was kind of uh, yeah, the weird. under. Well, <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I mean, 
Yeah, this is entirely possible because he just he just, it just kept going wide. I think it was wide right each time. Um, but there was a near melee that kind of broke out uh, in the Bills' end zone in the third quarter as well because um, Kalen Thibodeau was lying on the ground and he seemed to kick out at Dion Dawkins, uh, who is the tackle of the, of the Bills. Now, um, then it resulted in a few more pushes and shoving and even Josh Allen got involved in it uh, when he shouldered uh, one of the Giants linebackers, which is obviously not good to see. And it's not the first time over this weekend that we've seen some sort of violence and unnecessary violence at that uh, from the players. So it was a very close game. Bills should have won it by 20 points and the Giants just weren't... They, I mean, they're, they're, they're not looking good enough. Tyler Taylor had a better game than Daniel Jones has had all season. Um, and he didn't even do that much. 24-36 for 200 yards. But the vital thing, he didn't get picked off. <laughs> that, that's, that's the main thing. And um, he was sacked three times, though, so Giants offensive line needs to step up a bit. But, uh, yeah, two average quarterback games. Saquon Barkley, welcome back. The Giants need him so badly. But, uh, yeah, 49 to the Bills. Yes, indeed. Jake, did you see anything in this game? Uh, one of the best intros we've had in a while, maybe since Tony Gonzalez and Justin Pugh, straight from the couch. <laughs> Just really appreciate that. He got uh, basically called up this week from the from the Giants out of almost semi-retirement, um, and they managed to sneak him in for a quick intro to himself when they're introducing the offensive line. Rather than giving a college a high school, uh, all all kinds. He, he keeps it real and lets everyone know. Hey, I was I was watching Red Zone last week, and now I'm now I'm playing. So I'm willing to give a pass to the Bills. Maybe jet lagged, kind of coming from London. They took care of business. It wasn't pretty, and I think it's fair to assume Brian Dayball left Buffalo on bad terms. I think, like Dave said, that was the uh, quickest handshake I've ever seen and then he has that big warm embrace with, with Josh Allen which is even funnier because the head coach of the Bills at the same time is just like sat there watching them through a window like taking <laughs> his fists quite right uh, <laughs> quite right so gentlemen we're going to wrap up the uh, week 6 review with the Dallas Cowboys taking on the last loss loss my goodness no Los loss. Angeles San Chargers Diego. Wow, I nearly said San Diego. <laughs> Los Angeles Chargers <laughs> in SoFi Stadium in front of 70,240 people. And the Cowboys come away with a win 20-17 to 17 in this one. Uh, Jake, this game is all yours. Just before I hand it over to you, I will say Justin Herbert looked a wee bit off in this game. Missed a few passes that mm-hmm. ordinarily you'd sort of expect him to make. Absolutely. I mean, I'll start with the Cowboys and Cowboys and Dak himself responded in a big way after last week's brutal beating. Uh, interesting little start. I found they are 10 and 1 in weeks following a loss since the start of 2021. So sometimes maybe the Cowboys just kind of need that reality check of, hey, you know, everyone expects you to be in the playoffs. Everyone kind of expects you to lose in the playoffs. And the 49ers completely have your number. So maybe this is a wake-up call. I don't know what their answer is to the 49ers. Maybe a song and a prayer. Um, But they didn't have a sack until the two-minute warning of the fourth quarter. Well, Micah Parsons finally got to Herbert. And then the very next play, Stefan Gilmore got the game-clenching interception. 
Uh, as you kind of alluded to there, I had agreed with you in terms of it was not a vintage Justin Herbert performance. He missed multiple wide-open receivers. The more concerning thing for me uh, when it comes to the Chargers is where is Quinton Johnson? Uh, 21st overall pick, second wide receiver taken overall this year. Absolutely AWOL. And they've had Mike Williams go down with an injury. And when he went down, I said, okay, this is exactly why they drafted Quinton uh, Johnson. He's a big body wide receiver. He's basically Mike Williams 2.0. This is his time to step up and shine. He had no catches, two targets. He's been non-existent, really, for the Chargers, which is a, a big worry. And then my final point on this game is that there was an unnecessary roughness flag at the end of the first half. Cowboys had first and 10 from the Chargers 17. 14 seconds left, two timeouts. They gave up. They just kicked a field goal. The, the, the score was 7-7. They just got a massive 15 yards free. They've got 14 seconds left, two timeouts in a tired game in a must-win. And I know it seems daft at week six on a team that was 3-2 and two to say must-win, but after last week's beatdown, um, if the Cowboys had gone into their bye losing to the Chargers, it would have been ropes. Um, so it was a must-win. And to kind of just give up and kick a field goal, to me, that was very questionable. And in the end, it didn't matter, but uh, it was certainly something I wrote down at the time of being like, wow, if they don't win this game, I'm going to kill um, the Cowboys for this. But hey, they lived to tell the tale, and now they're going in 4-2 and two into the bye, kind of putting the 49ers in the rear view, and also in the in the, the not-so-distant future as well. They're probably expecting to come up against the 49ers again at some point. I think I'll be definitely be hoping that they see them again because that will mean they'll be in the playoffs. Uh, Dave, did you see anything else in this game? Uh, very briefly, I think that one of the reasons that Justin Herbert was below par in this game was because of the speed of the uh, Cowboys pass rush. Because even though he was only sacked once in the game officially, uh, but they managed to get hands on him eight times in the game. Three of them was Micah Parsons. Uh, so I think the game plan for that they've been practicing in the lead up to this was to get the ball out as quickly as possible, which obviously, you know, quite often rushing the throws or making rush decisions, that's pretty much what was in Justin Herbert's mind. Uh, and, you know, Mike Parsons uh, managed to get his hands on the quarterback three times in this game, which, you know, it, you would expect in Mike Parsons, but I think that was affecting Herbert's decision-making uh, in this. But also, I, I shout-out to CeeDee Lamb for 117 yards in the game. Uh, and Dak had a pretty steady game with a good uh, 109.3 QB rating. So, yeah, apart from that, Cowboys couldn't get anything done in the rushing game. Uh, Prescott had seven rushes for 40 yards, whereas Tony Pollard had 15 for 30 yards. So averaging two yards per carry, which is not what you want from a running back. But uh, yep, neither team could get anything done on the ground. But uh, yeah, Justin Herbert, under pressure, maybe not the best, or just maybe scared of uh, Michael Parsons coming uh, at him for, off, off the edge, which, let's be honest, no one can blame him for that. And that, gentlemen, wraps up our Week 6 recap. So, gentlemen, we come to our NFL Team of the Week. So we'll start with our Offensive Player of the Week. Um, Jake, why don't we start with you? Who is your Offensive Player of the Week? I would like to preface this by saying this was a very tough Team of the Week to pick. And I've picked an incredibly controversial one. I have given it to Dak Prescott. He had 21 for 30, 272 yards, touchdown, led the team in rushing, um, avoided 
any disaster after the 49ers. Um, was sacked quite a few times. There was so many penalties, and he overcame it. And I couldn't really find anyone else to give it to, so I, I gave it to Dak. Doesn't get much love. That's very true. Uh, Dave, who was your offensive player of the week for week six? Well, I did say earlier that I had a joint one with uh, Craig Reynolds of the Lions for that magic block, but also Kyron Williams because Kyron Williams had a career high. Only I think he was only running back this week over 150 yards, but he just came out and he was different level in that second half for the Rams against Cardinals. So Kyron Williams and Craig Reynolds. Uh, my offensive player of the week uh, goes to Raheem Mostert. I thought he just had an incredible game there for the Miami Dolphins. Three touchdowns on the day, including two on the ground, uh, and he was 17 for 115 yards. Raheem Mostert was just absolutely sensational. So he was my offensive player of the week. We then go to defensive player of the week, Jake McGee. Who is your defensive player of the week? I went for Jordan Hicks. He had a 42-yard fumble return for a touchdown, uh, 10 tackles, had a, an interception himself, had a pass defense, and of course, like I say, that, that defensive touchdown made a, a massive difference in that game, so I gave it to him. Dave? Well, Jordan Hicks won NFC Defense Player of the Week, so I'm giving it to the AFC Defense Player of the Week in Max Crosby because I think he, he was just consistently great. Uh, as he has been all week, to be honest. Uh, and you know, the, the dominance that he's showing this year, he's one of the best uh, on the edge uh, in the entire league this year. So Max Crosby for me. I'm giving it to Washington's Jamin Davis. I thought he played a spectacular game. He only four tackles, but he also had four assists. He had an interception. He had a pass defense and he had a sack. And I think he was a very important part of that Washington team uh, that defeated Atlanta. So I'm giving that one over there to... Um, Jamin Davis. Mm-hmm. And then we finally come to defense or special teams unit of the week. Jake, who did you go for? I went for the Jets defense. They had four turnovers, three interceptions, a fumble, two sacks, four tackles for loss, a whopping 12 passes defense. And they keep on making good quarterbacks look very average. Dave, who did you go for? The Miles Garrett-led Browns defense unit, which were just amazing against a below-average 49ers offense. So, yeah, definitely. I've never thought I'd say this, but well done, Cleveland. Yeah, I had to go with the Cleveland defense as well. I mean, they held the 49ers to 215 total yards, just 107 net passing. They really kept this 49ers offense in check. And despite the, the injuries, some people make excuses for it, you, you, I could not see past this Cleveland front four. They were absolutely all over the place, so they were mine. I agree with you, Dave. So, gentlemen, we come to our rapid-fire Week 7 preview. And we start with the Jacksonville Jaguars at the New Orleans Saints on Thursday night football. This was a tough one to decide, but I've got the Saints pipping it in overtime, 19-16 to 16 over the Jaguars. You fool. Jaguar 17-10. Uh, I, I'm going to go for a Jacksonville win at 18-16. Don't ask me how I got that score. We won't. Don't worry. We then come to the Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I actually said Falcons. What's wrong with me? The Atlanta Falcons at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've got the Buccaneers winning this one at home in another low-scoring affair, 17-14. Oh, I've got the Bucs winning 17 17- to 13. 
Well, I, I will uh, slightly upset the apple cart, but I've got the Falcons winning. But I've got them winning by a slightly larger score. I'm going to say it's going to be 27 points to 21. Now, the past three weeks, I have picked the New England Patriots to win, and I have been wrong every single time. So guess what? I'm picking the Patriots to beat the Buffalo Bills in Fox, but it's not called Fox anymore, <laughs> in New England in an absolute just slugfest 12 to 10. Why do you hate your pickums? The Bills win this 33 to 15. Oh, I mean, I, I, I it's, it's a Gillette Stadium, uh, can I just point out? And I've got the Bills winning by 35 points to 7. We then have the Cleveland Browns travelling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts. I reckon the Colts get back on track in this one, although I'm not underestimating this Cleveland defence again, Jake. It's going to be another low-scoring game. I've got the Colts taking this one 13-10. I think you are underestimating, although I, I technically not, I suppose. I've got the Colts scoring 16, but I have the Browns scoring 24. Oh, we're all kind of in the same ballpark. I've got the Browns narrowly winning this by 16 points to 13. We then have the Detroit Lions travelling to take on the Ravens. And I've got the Lions winning away. I'm fully on board the Lions train here. I know you and I'll be happy about that. And I've got the Lions winning this one in a much higher scoring game. 34 to 16 over the Ravens. I've got a nail bite. This is my only overtime game of the week. I have the Lions squeaking a field goal, 23-20. to 20. Oh, we're so close because I've got the Lions winning, but 20 points to 17. We then have the Las Vegas Raiders travelling to take on the Chicago Bears at Soldier Field. And I think the Raiders come away with a win. I think the Bears are just going to continue um, the, the, from what we saw last week. And the Raiders are actually riding quite high in that defence of theirs. And I've got them winning this one by a score of 24-13. to 13. You absolutely poverty franchises, but I have the Raiders winning twenty-one to ten. Yeah, I, I I think we're on the same line, Jake, because I've got the Raiders win this one by twenty points to six. We then have the Washington Commanders traveling to New Jersey to take on the Giants, and I've got the Commanders winning this one away fairly handily, twenty-seven to ten. I have the Commanders scoring twenty-seven. I gave the Giants 21, but I, I agree. Commanders go to New Jersey and win. I've got the Commanders with 24 points, but I've got the Giants with 13 points. So I think it's 24-13 to the Commanders. We've got the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle, but I think the Cardinals bounce back. I think Joshua Dobbs does well, and they squeak out an overtime win, 13-10. to 28-18 for the Seahawks and the 12th man. Yeah, I think I can't really see past Seahawks here. I'm going for 31-16 to the Seahawks. We then have the Pittsburgh Steelers coming off a bye, travelling to SoFi to take on the Rams. Don't worry, Dave, I'm actually picking you Rams in this one, although it'll be a low scorer. I still like that Steelers defence. I've got the Rams winning this one, 17-14. to The Rams have done me well in the pickums, so I'm very sorry to say I've picked the Steelers 22-20. to I'm, I'm absolutely in shock. I, I, I have got my own Rams here. I think they're going to win by 27 points to 17. We then have the Green Bay Packers also coming off a bye, travelling to Denver to take on the Broncos. You know I'm taking the Broncos. <laughs> you, you know I am. 
I don't have any faith that they will win this game, but I'm taking the Broncos 29-21. Back-to-back picks where I'm upsetting my co-hosts 34-31 to the Packers. I've got the Broncos winning as well. I'm going to say... Uh, uh, no, I'm going to say that they're going to win by 26 points to 24 with a late field goal for the Broncos. If only we could kick field goals. Yep. Now, we then have the Los Angeles Chargers traveling to Kansas City to take on the Chiefs. Now, historically, these games have always been close. This will be no different, but I still have the Chiefs winning this one 27-26. I absolutely lied earlier. I have a second overtime game. The Chiefs winning 30-24, to walk-off touchdown. Oh, I, I've got the Chiefs winning this one as well, but as narrow as it gets, because I think it's going to be 21-20. I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. What should be game of the week on Sunday night, the Miami Dolphins versus the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. I just can't see the Eagles' defense as good as it is slowing down this Dolphins' offense, and I've got the Dolphins banging 38 on them in a 38-30 to victory. I also have the Dolphins going into Philly and getting a win, 29-23. to I'm going against the curve. I think the Eagles at home are going to beat the Dolphins. I'm going to take them as a 31-28 win. And finally, on Monday night, we have the San Francisco 49ers traveling to Minnesota to take on the Vikings. I am fully confident that they will be healthy again for this game, and I think they'll be seeking revenge. I've got the 49ers dealing the Minnesota Vikings an absolute pummeling defensively in this one. I don't think the offense scores that many. I've got them winning this one by a score of 21-6. to Sadly, you can't play the Bears every week, Vikings, so you lose this one 25-17. to my only overtime game of the week. I think it's going to be overtime 20 each with the Vikings with a walk-off field goal. Oh, oh the Vikings. Oh, I mean, Debo, questionable. Love it. Trent Williams, questionable. Dre Greenlaw, Christian McCaffrey, all questionable it's, for this game. It's fantastic, Dave. I love it. Minnesota Vikings, questionable. Questionable. <laughs> Kirk Cousins, always questionable. Yeah. Uh, yep. That wraps up our uh, week seven rapid fire preview. Week seven already, guys. What's going on here? Um, now, we do have time for one final segment, although my wife might disagree with me. <laughs> it is time for random stats. Random stats. Yeah. So, um, why don't I go first? I feel it's a while since I've gone first. A, a little a little convoluted, but don't worry, we'll get there. Uh, now, my random stat brings us back. I don't know if you guys can cast your minds back to the heady days of 2006. I don't remember 2006 quite some time ago. Quite some time ago. Now, the Tennessee Titans... We're playing the Jacksonville Jaguars at LP Field on Sunday, December 17th, 2006, in front of 69,143 people, no less. And I'm going to read you some of the box score here. Jacksonville Jaguars had 23 first downs. Tennessee Titans had five. The Jaguars rushed for 193 yards and a touchdown. The Titans rushed for 41 and zero. The Jaguars threw for 233 yards on a touchdown. The Titans had 85 passing yards. 
85. Net passing yards for the Titans, 57. Jacksonville, 203. 98 total yards for Tennessee. Jacksonville, 396. The Titans had four penalties for 40 yards. The Jaguars had two for 25. The Titans were 0 for 8 on third down. The Jaguars were 10 for 19. The Tennessee Titans had 15 minutes and 38 possession. The Jaguars had 44 minutes and 22. And yet... The Titans won this game by a score of 24 to 17. Now, you may ask, well, how did that happen? It happened because in the first quarter, Adam Jones returned an interception 83 yards for a score to put the the Tennessee Titans up 7-0. The Jaguars responded with a run by Maurice Jones-Drew, MJD. We all remember him and his ridiculous takes. Yes, we do. The Jaguars then went ahead 10-7 when Josh Scobie kicked a 43-yard field goal. Rob Baronis replied with a 27-yard field goal, 10-10. Cortland Finnegan returned a fumble 92 yards for Tennessee for a 17-10 lead. Chris Hope had a 61-yard interception, 61 yard interception return for a 24-10 lead. And then Matt Jones got a 3-yard pass from David Garrard, 24-17. The Titans scored three defensive touchdowns, won this game. It's one of the worst offensive performances ever for a team with a victory. That is my random stat. Exactly how the coach and staff drew up. Perfect. <laughs> The script was perfect for that game. <laughs> that's that's unreal. I, I mean, I'm just looking at some of it right now. Total yards for the Titans was 98, 98 yards. 98 yards. And their third down efficiency was 0 from 8. Yeah. Now, keep in mind, the, the Jaguars had nearly 400. It's not like they had 98 and they had 120. It was 98 to 400. It was it was all for eight and third downs for the, for uh, for the Titans, as I see. But the Jaguars were ten for nineteen. They were they were over fifty percent, and they also had the ball for just shy of forty five minutes of yeah, the game yeah. with the Jaguars. That's and the Titans so. won with three <laughs> defensive scores. Madness. Oh, that's wow. my random stat. Who wants to go next? Will I cut it up? I'll, I'll go in the middle of yeah, you. Yeah, I've I've got an unusually long one, so uh, <laughs> you can you can keep. The, the meat in the sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> Dave's the meat in our sandwich, Jake. Oh, lovely. Just, I, I, uh, um, okay. Well, <laughs> be, well, obviously, off air, I was telling you that what I do is I have two random stats going into, just just in case one of you kind of spike, uh, you know, my random stat during the show. And it turns out that you both approached both my random stats uh, during the show at some point. So I'll give you, I'll, they're two quick uh, small ones. Uh, top passing yard leaders. In the top five, we've got a couple surprise entrants. So in coming in at number five, CJ Stroud is now on 1,660 yards after this week. So that's very, you know that, that's brilliant for a rookie. But also one that I was very surprised to see coming in at number three in Matt Stafford. Matt Stafford is currently third in the list. The only thing that's more remarkable is that Tua... Is 197 yards clear of the next person. <laughs> Tua is 1,876 from his opening, was it six games? 
yeah, six games, uh, which is just astronomical. Obviously, o- averaging well over 300 yards a game, which is mental. Now, um, the other random stat I did now, it was Neosa that busted this one because this was my main man random stat in Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns have allowed 1,002 yards through the first five games of the season. Now, that is the fewest yards by a team since 1971. And that team were the Baltimore Colts. <laughs> the Baltimore Colts went on to the AFC Championship game that year because of how good their defense were. They did, they did lose uh, to the Dolphins in that game. But are the Browns surprise contenders for the for an AFC run? If they if they get their offense up a bit, can you really say no with this defense, Dave? But just, yeah. just before I, <laughs> just before I answer that question, uh, that nineteen seventy one. Mm-hmm. Do you have that nineteen seventy one Baltimore Colts? Any any stats for them at all? Not so much stats. Who was the quarterback in nineteen seventy one for the Baltimore Colts? Can you, Ooh, can you find it? Johnny Unitas. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> safe, it's Johnny e- Unitas. Well, it's either Johnny Unitas or it's our other random stat favourite. Can you find out who it was, Dave, for uh, 1971? The, it, it was, well, the two quarterbacks for the Cleveland Browns. Uh, uh, Baltimore Colts, Johnny Unitas <laughs> and... Mm-hmm. Uh, go on, tell me. Earl Morale. Earl Morrill again. Earl model keeps, keeps popping up. He's, I mean, this guy is literally. I, I don't. I don't. Is he in the Hall of Fame? Because see, if he isn't, he should be. On this podcast, he is. Because you know when they always, <laughs> right. you know when they talk about players and they say, "Well, you can't tell the story of the NFL without mentioning insert Hall of Famer's name here." Hard it seems star. like every single time we do random stats, Earl model pops up. It's just relentless, this guy. Uh, unbelievable. Anyway, uh, yeah. Yes, uh, he, he, he was at the team at, at, at that time. That was his last season at the Colts. And before he moved to the Dolphins, who beat the Colts in that playoff. Earl Morrill. Bit of foreshadowing. We're saying the Browns do make the playoffs. And if they do run into the Dolphins, uh, you could see a repeat. The scriptwriters are repeating episodes. Come on. Oh, hang on. Do you think after the Dune Dick, they're just going, no one remembers 1971. No one remembers. No one remembers. Yes. But at the same time, I don't think it's going to be the same outcome because I'm pretty sure that the Dolphins shut out the the Colts in that game, in the AFC Championship. I'm sure it was something along the lines of 21 to 0. It might happen again. After Sean Watson's at the quarterback, you never know. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, do you know, so I was I was looking at things. I think Sean Watson's career at the Browns, he has a, like a quarterback rating of about 80 so far since he signed that yeah, contract with the Browns. I'm not even Absolutely. surprised, though. Just, he's been rotten. Absolutely rotten with the Browns. Uh, but that was a good random stat, Dave. I enjoyed that. Took us down a path. I liked it. It did. It did. I, I actually, I don't think he's in the uh, Hall of Fame by the way, Earl Morrill. I, I, I don't think he is. No, I don't so think he's he in is. the Winterfell Hall of Fame. He yes. is absolutely in the Winterfell Hall of Fame. Earl Morrill, you, you, you should be because you, you literally cannot tell the story of the NFL without talking about this man because he is everywhere. He just keeps cropping mm-hmm. up. Every time we have a random stat, oh, Earl Morrill pops up again. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, gentlemen, guess what? That's the end of our podcast. 
How Wait a minute. We have. Jake has already had one of the worst. <laughs> Every Jake has had a, a terrible. Yeah. Do you know what I was going to Jake had literally said, Jake's are having the worst week. And I thought, this will <laughs> be great. We'll just totally ignore Jake in this. <laughs> I wow. apologize, Jake. I didn't mean to wind you up there. What a rough week for the Jakes. I'll never recover. <laughs> See, that's what I was saying. It was like a rough week for the Jakes. So, like, let's just finish it off here. Uh, Jake, what, all kidding aside, what is your random stat? Go for it. Well, my random stat has an assist from Dave. So, on Sundays, we're watching the football. We have a, a conversation going. We were talking about your offensive player of the week, Neil. So, we we're talking about Raheem Mostert and how he's second on the list of running backs of yards per carry with a minimum of 500 carries. And Dave had us guess who was top, and we couldn't figure it out. And it turns out it was Bo Jackson, only just, because he's had 515 carries. And that sent me on a little path of looking into to Bo Jackson. I came across one of the most ridiculous things I've ever found. I stumbled upon that Jim Harbour ended his NFL career, regular season and playoffs, regular season or playoffs, with more rushing yards than Bo Jackson. No, he didn't. He did. That's and not... he, I had that exact response. I went, "That's ridiculous." He wasn't even a star of most of his career. That's um, n- that's not true. <laughs> I don't believe you. Bo ja- I, I remember. I remember saying Bo Jackson was only in the league for about three or four years. Jake, is that correct? Uh, I think he had four, four years. But he only played half seasons because he played half a season of baseball. Well, so he played season of mm-hmm. baseball. So he yeah. only played like eight or nine games in the NFL each year. So he, he played 38 games in total, started only 23 of them. Um, 515 rushes, so that's how he qualified for the above 500. So rushed the ball 550 times for 2,782 yards. One of the biggest what-ifs is Bo Jackson. If it wasn't for baseball, if it wasn't for injuries, what a player he could have been. But Jim Harbour played significantly longer, 18 years to be exact. He, <laughs> rushing in the regular season, had 561 attempts, so a few more attempts, for 2,787 yards. In five yards. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yep. And then in the playoffs, again, he had a, f- a few more games. He had uh, quite, quite a few more games in the playoffs, but he outrun, outgained him there as well. So overall in the career, if you look at the regular season, if you look at the playoffs, if you look at them both combined, Jim Harbaugh is a better rusher than Bo Jackson, <laughs> undeniably. Um, I, I remember when Bo Jackson got injured. It was a game against Cincinnati, I think, when he got tackled out of bounds, and it looked totally innocuous just as innocent he got tackled out of bounds and then he just lay there and the commentators are going what's, go- what's going on she's like oh maybe he's hurt maybe something he, i think they thought he was winded because it didn't yeah. look like a bad tackle he just like literally just grabbed and dragged down that was it um and it turned out he'd done something to his hip and we never saw bo jackson again and bo jackson even though Jim Harbaugh has more <laughs> rushing yards. He's <laughs> a better rusher. Um, Bo Jackson was an incredible athlete. And uh, it, it just goes to show you. What, see what modern um, what modern medical practices can do 
for players these days, just humans in general, but, you know, for players of sports these days. Because, um, you know, 10 years ago, I'm saying 10 years ago, maybe 15 years ago, uh, an ACL tear, your career's over. Pearson's career was done for, and then he came back and won an MVP, and everyone's like, hold on, ACL was a career ender. It was an absolute career. In fact, you know what, you might be right, I think he might have been the first player to sort of come back mm-hmm. from, a, from an ACL tear. Uh, or at least the, the first one that I can remember. High and he didn't just come one. back. Yeah, as you say, um, he was co-MVP with Peyton Manning that yeah. year. Uh, 2012. 2013. No, 2012. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that was the same year Peyton Manning came back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, ACL was... Yeah, that just, was If you told you ACL, that was it. It was Your career was done. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. nowadays... But it's, it's, it's medical advancements. Oh, you know, yeah. mm-hmm. if... It, it's brilliant but just one quick note as well on Bo Jackson uh, he apparently dislocated his hip in that game and when he realized that his hip was dislocated he tried to pop it back into place so uh, but at the same time what he did was uh, he burst some blood vessels damaged the blood uh, supply to his hip it turns out that he actually had a broken bone in his hip um, <laughs> just jammed it back in yeah and pretty much uh, he suffered from hip issues for the rest of his days because um, he lost a thin layer cartridge, uh, cartilage uh, that lines the ball and socket hip joint. So, yeah, that uh, just a ridiculous tackle that didn't look that bad, but turns out it ended his career. Ouch. Mm. Ouch. I mean, there's being a tough guy and then there's just that's just bad luck. Yeah. That's just bad luck. It reminds me of that. I'm sure I've mentioned this before. Uh, Ronnie Lott in a game. The safety in the game, uh, he he broke his finger, his pinky, I think. Yeah. Um, and uh, instead of coming out of the game, he cut the end of his finger off and mm-hmm. quit off him off. Just like just snip it off, and I'll go back in. I heard <laughs> yeah, a plane hurt, but uh, yeah, there's there's plane hurt, then there's that. So. Yeah. But um, yeah, uh, that's level. that's that's tragic. But Bo Jackson was he was I hated Bo Jackson because he played for the Raiders. Because he was so good. There was one game. It was a Monday night game against the Broncos. 19, I'm going to say 1988. Not sure. And um, he literally ran over four players, four Broncos tacklers on the way to a touchdown. Including, and you know, guys like Carl Mecklenburg and Dennis Smith. You know, hard-hitting players. And he was running them over and then running away from people. He was so fast. He was so strong. And it's, it's such a shame that somebody of that caliber never got the, the, the career that we could have seen. Um, although, I, you know, I say that, but he only played half seasons. It's not like, um, you know, Gail Sayers. He only played six or seven years because of injury. Terrell Davis. There, there you go. Terrell Davis. Another one. Um, ACL, boom, career's over. After six and a half years, gone. That's it, done. You're looking at these players and see, I mean, like Gail Sears and Terrell Davis are Hall of Fame players. Now, some people argue, well, they only played six, seven years. Should they be in the Hall of Fame? Well, yes, they should. They were utterly dominant <laughs> for the time that they were that they were playing. But you think, what could they have done if they had carried on? Just many ways, like, you know, I know we, I always mention Barry Sanders as, as a running back because he's my favourite running back of all time. He retired after 10 years. He didn't have to. I think he was just sick of losing. He, he would easily have gone for 20,000 yards rushing. Easily. 
if he'd continued. He could have done an Emmett Smith and just carried on and put up numbers. He walked away when he wanted to. And Gail Sowers is in the Hall of Fame for his nickname alone, the Kansas Comet. The Kansas Comet. <laughs> I, do you know, I miss good nicknames. I miss good nicknames. Lance Allworth was called Bambi. That's a, that's a great nickname. Bambi for a wide receiver. There were so many good ones, and now it's it's like J Jet. It's like wow, you just took his two first initials. Like wow, <laughs> oh, I know. It's right. I mean, CMC for Christian McCaffrey. Mm, it's it. You know, it's it's not great. A Rod for Aaron Rodgers. When the baseball players was A Rod first, well, like. exactly. I, 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 do you remember what uh, Ryan Fitzmagic's nickname was? Yeah. Apart from Fitzmagic, obviously. Oh, something to do with uh, the religion. Uh, da, 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 da. I, I know it, and it's going to annoy me. It was the Amish, Amish, Amish rifle. rifle. Yeah. The Amish <laughs> rifle. That was his absolute <laughs> brilliant nickname. I mean, I, I like... Andy I, Dalton, Red Rifle. Oh, the Red Rifles. Yeah, I was just going to say, I like, I like nicknames like that. I don't like... Right, so, right. You can't give yourself a nickname. Someone else has to give it to you. Otherwise, it doesn't count. The one exception to that rule, obviously, is Dion Primetime Sanders, who named himself Primetime. <laughs> and everybody called him Primetime. And Coach Prime, and that's what everyone calls him. I get that. But if he hadn't been the player that he was, everyone would just be like, you can't give yourself a nickname. That's ridiculous. You can you can force a nickname with uh, Billy White Shoes, John. You know, just wear white shoes, and everyone's like Billy White Shoes. And, and yeah, guys like uh, Walter Payton, sweetness, <sighs> sweetness. I mean, that's because because he was just such a nice guy. Dave, do you have a do you have a favorite nickname of a player? Do you have any favorites? Uh, Nick Foles. Do you know what Nick Foles? I know what his nickname is. <laughs> <laughs> Big Nick. Yeah, big <laughs> well, Nick. There's yes. something missing there. Yes, yes. Uh, that was uh, probably uh, Bill Belichick as well. He was he was Bill Belichick <laughs> after, after the, the deflate just And Spygate. Yeah, Spygate. Spygate. And Spygate too. Probably behind Watergate. Yeah. Um, Nixon Gates, yeah. He was probably responsible <laughs> for that as well. Uh, Jake, do you have any favourite nicknames of players from even today or years gone by? Any favourites? Well, I mean, the Kansas Comet is up there. Uh, the other one I can think of is the Nigerian Nightmare. Oh, Christian Okoye. The oh, Nigerian what a of a man. Nightmare. Yeah, the biggest shoulder pads you've ever seen. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Then Steve Atwater knocked him out. Um, I liked I liked the, the Nigerian Nightmare, one of my favorites. Um, Carl Mecklenburg, yeah, I full mentioned Carl Mecklenburg, was the Albino Rhino. I love that. The Albino Wouldn't get away with that these days. No. I know you wouldn't. <laughs> Unless you name that's that is one of the only if you named yourself that they you, you get away with it. If so if a commentator said that, it'd be the last thing you said. Well, if Carl Mecklenburg came up to me and said, I want you to call me the Albino, I'm like, I'll call you anything yes, you sir. want. <laughs> right? He was like six foot four and built like a tank. There's another guy totally missing out on the Hall of Fame. Totally. And, he, and they'll never get in. Such a shame. Even a name like Carl Mecklenburg. You don't need a nickname. Good grief. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I love a, I love a good nickname for, for players. Oh, we just don't get them anymore. Well, oh, yeah, we'll round it off on one more, though. The original Machine Gun Kelly and Jim Kelly. Oh, Jim Kelly. 
He was fantastic. He was the, the yeah the original Machine God Kelly. So there you go. John That's, John uh, Elway when he came out of college was known as the Duke. Take a take a guess as to why he was called the Duke. Dukes of Hazard. He drove the Dukes of Hazard car. He did not did he drive have? the Dukes of Hazard oh. car. No. So when when John Elway was very young, in fact, bonus random stat: John Elway played his entire career without an ACL. Never nice. Had, never had one. Uh, when he was, yeah, he didn't need it. When he was in school, uh, high school, I believe he had a knee injury. He had to get surgery done, um, and because of that, he walked slightly bow-legged. And people said he walked like John Wayne, who was of course called the Duke. Um, so they called him the Duke. That's that was his nickname because he he walked funny. <laughs> he well, like, don't forget like, Night Train. Dick Night Train Lane. There was a, there was another guy who played for the Rams. Elroy Hirsch, whose nickname was Crazy Legs. I think I brought him <laughs> up before. I think I brought uh, I think I brought up Crazy Legs Hirsch before. Uh, he was also called that because he, when he ran, his legs flapped out to the side. And yet he was one of the fastest players in the NFL. But he looked ridiculous when he ran. Um, mm. Love that. Galloping Willie Gallimore. There's another one. That's a blast from the... You guys won't know about Galloping Willie Gallimore. I think oh. he played for the Lions like in the 50s or something like that. But you just get those uh, Norm Wildman Willie, who I think might have been my first ever random stat on the NFL show. 17 unofficial sacks in one game. Norm Wildman Willie. So there we are, gentlemen. Uh, it actually is time to finish off. So, Jake, it's okay. Absolutely. Calm down now. Uh, we're going to end the podcast there. Uh, next week, of course, we've got our Wick, 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 what? Spending far Wick. too long in the Isle of Lewis. Week six review. We'll have a Rick's. Oh, my goodness, I can't speak. Week six review. Week seven rapid fire preview. We will, of course, have our teams of the weeks and random stats. Uh, Dave, thank you very much for joining me this week. Pleasure as always. Jake, thank you for stopping along. No problem. Have we gone back in time? Was this not week six? Was this week six? Yeah, I think we'll be doing the week seven review. Yeah. We're going to do week seven review plus a week eight rapid fire preview. I can't believe I did that. Did I do that? Did I say week six preview when we're actually yep. doing it? <laughs> yep. Ah, goodness sakes. The year's gone by too quickly. It's because I'm not paying attention because the Bronx is so bad. It's not my fault. Anyway, gentlemen, uh, thank you uh, once again for being on. Uh, uh, thank you to everyone for listening in. Uh, and of course, don't forget you can hit us up on Twitter slash X. I'm just going to call it Twitter. I hate X. Um, at the WinFL show. You can also find myself. You can find Dave. You can find Jake. You can find... Tim, you can find Andrew, you can find Callum, you can find, um, who am I missing? Andrew, I think we're all on Twitter. Um, Feel free to drop us a line and we will see you on next week's edition of The NFL Show.